everybody, and welcome to Geek Actually, episode 18. Yes, there was a little bit of a gap there. We did take a little impromptu day off, but, you know, mm-hmm. we're back. We're back. We're here. And we're, we're legal, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I, I am David McVeigh. This is the podcast that is about everything and nothing filtered through the geek perspective, and I am joined in studio by David Longo. You're back. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we, missed you. we missed you last yeah, show. I'm stuck in straight out of Compton mode still. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we were also joined by Jamie Lawrence. How are you, Jamie? Fantastic. How are you? You're becoming furniture around here, Jamie. I, yeah. <laughs> He's just, he just managed to put himself in a seat and never leave, didn't he? Chair's got a dent now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's, I mean, normally we would go, let's talk about what we've been reading and watching, but I think there was actually a bigger news story this week that is most relevant to us here in Australia. So those who are outside of the country <laughs> probably have no idea what's going on. Oh, no, it's relevant to them too. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the old Prime Minister was a blight <laughs> on all of us. Last Wednesday? No, Tuesday night. Last Tuesday night, uh, I was actually at work. But here's, the, here's the circumstances. So let's put a bit of history on this. For the last two years, and I'll come back to that in one second, but the last two years, we've had Prime Minister Tony Abbott as our Prime Minister, who is mm-hmm. affectionately known or ineffectionately known. I don't know. How do you say it? Anyway. Affectionately known as the Mad Monk. Um, ultra conservative, ultra right wing. Unaffectionately known as fuckstick. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get ourselves sued here. <laughs> In his opinion. Uh, the opinions of Jamie Lawrence do not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point is that uh, uh, last Tuesday I was at work and um, one of my colleagues was looking at a news article on his phone while we were in the repair room and he goes, there could be, uh, there could be a, uh, a leadership change tonight. Apparently... Uh, Malcolm Turnbull is going to challenge for leadership. I said, no, no, no. Anyway, <laughs> yes, indeed it did. And it was made for a gripping mm. night of television. It was like yes. watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for those who are outside of Australia, and we do have a lot of listeners outside of Australia. In fact, there was a Facebook post from a friend of mine who is an American who's actually very politely put up on Facebook saying, could somebody please explain this? I've been watching this on TV for hours and I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I had we, a very uh, breakfast club experience <laughs> with it, actually. <laughs> we, uh, we work on the Westminster system of politics in this country. So basically what that means, we don't elect our leader. We elect mm. a party. And that party then... No. Elect, yes. Yeah. And then that party <laughs> elects its leader. Now, what would normally happen is the leader is elected who then takes the party into an election because they're the driving force behind it. We're still not electing him. Mm. We are electing or her. We are only electing the party. The only people who actually directly vote for the prime minister are those who are in his constituency. In this case, the uh, city of Warunga. Um, which is where Manly is and stuff like that. So anyway, the bottom line is that the party has had enough of him <laughs> and they called for a leadership well, challenge. Well, a small majority a of small, the party. Well, a small majority, yeah. <laughs> called for a leadership challenge and it all happened very, very mm. swiftly. And we were basically given a new prime minister overnight yeah. uh, in the form of Malcolm Turnbull. Now, I am not, and this is on record, I am not a uh, conservative voter. I'm not a, uh, I don't support the Republican Party in the States. I don't res- support the Liberal Party, the large L Liberal Party here. Um, I am a little bit left-leaning and so forth. However, that being said, if we are going to have a Liberal government, Malcolm Turnbull is a very small L Liberal. 
And in fact, one commentator said it's very interesting because the Liberal Party, our conservative Liberal Party, is now actually being controlled by two small L liberals. Both him and his deputy are both small L liberals. So we might start to see a swing to the middle, mm. which would be lovely. It would be. Um, look, mm. I'm, we're still being... We still we still have a conservative party in charge, and I'm not going to absolutely look. We do, and the thing is, though, if, we go, if we go back over history, though, not all conservative parties are bad, and that's the thing. We look at it and go, what has happened over the last twenty years? Or let's actually take that back a little bit further. Ever since Reagan, I think, mm-hmm. where the conservative parties, Republicans or what have you, have become ultra right. And they've gone further and further and further to the right. And one of these things has, and this is going to spark debate, and there's going to be hate, hate on Facebook for this comment. But some of this is because of religion, because a lot of these people are very, very, uh, very orthodox religious people. They're, they're, they're. You can see that they're the constituency that they are representing is a very right wing conservative constituency. For sure. So what we're hoping at this point is that we can do a little bit of a separation of church and state, and basically have a look at a slightly more moderate look mm. at the world. And being just being Liberal Party doesn't necessarily mean being yeah. bad. It just means, let's see if we can bring this back to the middle, mm. which would be nice. Not super right, not super yeah. right, but back to the middle. It would be good. <clears throat> Turnbull, Turnbull's an interesting character to be there as well. Absolutely. Um, he's, well, I guess the, the best thing that he's done recently is when Australia introduced new internet laws uh, regarding VPNs and um, mm-hmm. and their use, he pretty much made a statement to the press that said, we're introducing these these laws, which are basically targeting people who are uh, using these things illegally. Uh, but we're hoping that they don't interfere with people who get around them in this exact way that is how you would get around these laws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should point out one of the things that makes this a geek-related story and one of the things that makes this very, very... Uh, interesting to us is that Malcolm Turnbull, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, mm-hmm. uh, is very technologically aware. Yes, um, he. This is the man who was sported carrying a Kindle back before <laughs> Kindles <laughs> ever came out here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been very technologically aware. He's very forward thinking in that sense. When the Conservative Party did roll back the NBN, and we have an NBN story coming mm-hmm. up, which we will come back mm-hmm. to. When the Conservative Party did roll back the NBN into this other form that we'll talk about later, you could almost see him wincing a little bit mm. at, at what he was being told to do because I don't think he even believes in yeah. what's going on here. He was also one of the ones who wanted to cross the floor when it came to the gay marriage debate. Absolutely. Mm. He supports gay marriage. He's said this openly. Now, I've got to make this very clear because there is a certain grouping and let's 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 call them the under 30s, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> who basically go, Malcolm Turnbull's in charge. That means we're going to have gay marriage now and we're going to have this and we're going to have that. No. That's no. not going to mean any of That's that. That's like my generation. I oh, yes, exactly. But I was, I got bombarded by this as soon as I went into work the other day. Everybody's going, oh, but we'll see if he can actually make these changes. And I looked at them and I just said, don't expect any of this for the first year. Mm. Because this first year, he's now got one year until the general election. Yeah. Right? This one year, his job is to unite that party so that they can actually win, win an election. Yeah. And consolidate the support behind him as and well. And consolidate the support behind him and get his polls up and make sure that he... The worst, the worst news of him coming in, the person who is absolutely absolutely devastated by the fact that he's come in is Bill Shorten of the Labour Party. Yes. Because he was going to win an election against Tony Abbott. Just because he was up against just Tony because Abbott. He was up against Tony <laughs> Abbott. Yeah. As soon as Malcolm Turnbull got elected, he he must have just gone, oh, fuck it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't like experience with it because uh, I worked the night shift. Yep. And uh, so this was happening similar to your story, Dave. Yeah. Like it was happening whilst I was at work. And so a bunch of us went to the pub afterwards. And by the time we got there, it was the ABC 24 in the pub. You know, and uh, it hadn't happened yet. He hadn't come out 
Yeah, it was 9.30 or something. It, it had been announced, yeah. but he hadn't given the speech yet. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, so we all watched the speech in the pub, and like everybody was just silent watching it, mm. Like even the bartenders. And you it's like I had a, th- a feeling in my head like this wouldn't happen if it was Abbott speaking. No, and could you imagine? He didn't look at cue cards. He, he was well prepared. And that was the thing that caught my attention about all this. When he announced that yeah. he was going to challenge that mm. afternoon, they played back the tape of him because I didn't see it live. But when I saw it while we were waiting for the – while we were waiting for the ballot to go through, they mm. were playing back all this, you know, footage of the, the what had day. transpired yeah. throughout the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was really interesting when he came out and challenged for the leadership. He came out to an outside group of reporters, and he gave this very, very. The one thing I'll give about Malcolm Turnbull. Let, let me just state this for the record before I go for. I really admire in my politicians. The most important thing I admire in my politicians is intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want them to be smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I never felt that way about George W. Bush. I never felt that way about Tony Abbott. I never felt that way about a lot of them. Tur- Turnbull intimidates me with his intelligence. Mm. Um, and whether he's going to be a great prime minister or not, that's not the point. The point is he's an intelligent man. Yeah. He's well-spoken. He came out and basically gave his entire thing about why he was challenging, how he was and challenging. How, how refreshing was it that a prime minister actually made it clear that it was a party? Absolutely. Yeah. And he Which basically we, they laid, down, yeah. laid down how it works. Yeah. You know, And he basically gave this speech. Once again, no cue cards, no written yeah. speech. He just delivered it straight off the top of his. Now the difference is, and he had a sense of humor. Yes, and the difference is though that a, a, about an hour later, Tony Abbott came out to say that he had been challenged, mm. basically, um, and his speech was looking at cue cards, yeah. going, "Well, our 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 I don't want to play the games. No, uh, I, and, and, our, and our record should stand for itself. We stopped the boats. We've done this. We've done." And, so, and he's referring to cue. You go. This is the same rhetoric you have been saying for two years, and you can't remember. Remember it, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. the same rhetoric. Exactly, it was embarrassing. Yeah. Anyway, you know what? Then, though, it was such a well-planned assassination. Oh, it was. It like, was yeah. There was no. Hint. As I said, it was like watching Game of Thrones. It there, was there was no planned. indication that it was coming nope. beyond the you know the general. I think everyone had a vibe that Malcolm Turnbull was unhappy with yeah. Tony yeah, Abbott, yeah. but you know it was just. Well, Monday apparently, fifty-four people were unhappy. Yeah. With Tony Monday Abbott. afternoon announced, <laughs> yeah. and Monday night. It I happened. saw a lot of people yeah. referring to it as the abattoir. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! wow. Yeah. Now, here's the spite behind it. Now, I don't. We don't know if it is spite or not, but this is what it appears to be. Tony Abbott is so well. First of all. Uh, Joe Hockey, our treasurer, our current treasurer at the moment, until he's basically re- re- relieved of duty, uh, looked like he was going to punch something. I mean, the man is a bruiser, and he he literally looked like he because Malcolm Turnbull's speech directly attacked him by yeah. basically saying the economy's in the toilet, uh-huh. and 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 Hockey was like he just wanted to punch somebody, mm-hmm. and Tony Abbott he loses this this uh, this challenge. Malcolm Turnbull can't be sworn in as the prime minister until the prime minister concedes. Mm. Tony Abbott disappeared yeah. until halfway through the next day to finally give his speech of concession. He clearly lost, mm. but Malcolm Turnbull was doing business as the prime minister. He hadn't even sworn in yet <laughs> yeah. because Tony Abbott couldn't be found. Yeah, he's, he's gone MIA. Can you imagine that story that we'd be talking about right now? Like the hunt for Abbott begins. For Abbott. Do you know what? The, do you he's know like what? the fugitive. <laughs> You'll never be prime minister. Yeah. I'll keep hiding. He, he, he staples his ears back and gets a wig. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. You were going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, look, hold... Don't count your chickens yet. Honestly, <laughs> with with Turnbull, I mean the the man is a very astute businessman. Yeah. Um, and he has he's flip flopped on the gay marriage debate in the past. He used to be against it. Now he's for it. 
he definitely plays to the public. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about an entrepreneur. He, we're talking he, about an ex-lawyer. He created you know, like, Aussie Mail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like he is... He is a very, very yeah. astute person. But this yeah. is the kind of world and he will, but, but the thing is, he will play like, the crowd yeah. and I'm just not 100% convinced. Do you know what the difference yeah. is? Uh, and the difference is this. And the, and the proof will be in the pudding in a year's time when he actually goes to polls and whether he can win. Yep. You know, it, that's, that's a whole mm-hmm. different issue. Right now, though, the difference is and what makes me feel a little bit warmer inside is that we have spent the last decade in this country basically saying how shit everything is. Yeah. Prices are high, land values are high, the boat people are going to kill us. You know, it's like whatever, whatever it might be, you know, Islam is coming to kill, whatever it might be. We have just been nothing but fear mongering and negativity constantly. The first thing that Turnbull comes out and says when he wins is he goes, Not so bad. He goes, This country's pretty great. And he goes, This is a great time to be in Australia and we got so many great things to do and we're going to do all these. And it was this, I haven't felt about a political speech since Obama won the candidacy, mm. not even the election, when he won the candidacy and he gave the yes, we can yep. speech. We used to then go, damn straight, let's mm. get a bit of positive in here. I think you know, know the last I time I heard so, that yeah. speech though? Hmm? Everything is awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe it's time we yeah, do. Look, th- look, like I, 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 am not a liberal voter. No, neither right? am I. So no, like, neither am I. Uh, doesn't mean I'm a Labor <laughs> voter, but you know, like I, I, it's not even a re- relevant what I vote for, right? But. I'm the first to say I know. Let's I know. just say you're not a conservative voter. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, like I, I'm apathetic towards politics at best. Like I, I don't know shit about politics. The extent of my knowledge goes to vape, you know, <laughs> or in the thick of it. So every time I look at politicians, I understand the basic mechanics of the how party politics mm. works. But like I'll look at and I'll, I'll wonder who's who's saying what to whose ear and yeah. you know how little are it's they prepared? Politics, dude. You know it's politics. You know and so the Game of Thrones thing has captured the public's imagination so much because I think we've we've just been dealing with an inept speaker for yeah. for so long. Ah uh, yes, Jamie, you you're know? pointing at your. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's been 14 yeah. minutes. Just, okay. Yeah, we're, I, we're stri- we're, I just wasn't <laughs> sure yeah. if you started a timer. Yeah, or not. I yeah. can see. And, so, and so, <laughs> sorry, guys, if you're streaming this pod live because NBA. Yeah, that's a bit of an inside joke to what's coming up in our news stories. We actually have a bit of technology today, funnily (laughs) enough. Um, But we'll come back to it. Look, I just wanted to bring this up because we do talk about what's going on around us as well and how it does affect us. Yeah. And this... This is going to be an interesting next year of a ride to see what he can do. Yeah. This is his second time around as a leader. Mm-hmm. He was deposed once before. Let's not forget that he was deposed by Tony Abbott. Yeah. So the end, the end by one the vote. End, yeah. By one yeah. vote. But the the end note is that the in order to win the next election, the party needs a good leader. Yes, and that's a vital thing. So yeah, you know, and we'll see. What we need yeah. is a leader who has a clear vision, can communicate that across, so that the, uh, the public yeah. support them. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not convinced of that. I think all yeah. you really need is a winning smile and control of the, t- the Daily Telegraph and, and a, money. A nice, <laughs> a nice battering eyelash. Or as George yeah. W. Bush proved it was money. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you know, I reckon burn it all to the ground. Oh, hello, oh. Anarchy, <laughs> anarchy rules. All right, <laughs> see, Master Bruce. Some people just want to see the world burn. <laughs> so with the serious part, with the serious political part out and of the way. those people are Dave Longo. The Joker's party. <laughs> I'm going to bring that to an end with this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. TV makes me so bored, makes me say, oh my lord, what is this garbage here? Wanna cover my eyes and blood?
All right. This is the what we've been watching and reading section. And we will start this week with... Well, Dave's got a mystery film. I'm going to hold off on that. Jamie, tell us what you've been reading and watching this week. Before I do, Dave, who wins in a fight between Michael Caine's Alfred and... And Mark Hamill's Joker. Nobody, we lose. (laughs) (laughs) No, we both win. (laughs) I I think there's no losers, it's true. All right, what I've been reading and watching this week. uh, Well, let's start with Jurassic Park. Um, my, My son's first time. Uh, he has been. Don't you love watching films with your kids for the first time? It's so good. It's so good. I'm Especially doing this every week films. at the moment. So it's so good. Um, look, it. I don't think I need to say much about Jurassic Park because everything has been said about it. It's a great film. Mm. Uh, it's a great film for kids. There was moments when he, you know, sort of dug his head in because he was scared of what was going to happen, and that's part of the joy. How old you say again? Eight. Ah, oh, good age for it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he loved it, and you yeah. know, he, we've got to go. He told me I've got to go out and buy. The Lost World, and uh, he'll and be disappointed by the rest of them. <laughs> no, he won't. At, at age eight, I don't think he will <laughs> no, be. Honestly, not true. the second one. Um, look, having having recently come out and said, I think Jurassic World's a better film, and now watch Jurassic Park again. I still think Jurassic World's a better film. Oh, <laughs> I, I liked Cold Blooded. Now, Dave, Dave, you're with me in the sense that you've actually seen the 3D conversion of Jurassic Park. Yes, you? yes. I saw it in IMAX. It's actually. pretty magical. Yeah. It's I a really, it. it's a yeah. really good conversion. I've got that on Blu-ray as well, so it's it's really good. Uh, anyway, continue. But uh, yeah, look, uh, it, it is really. Did you guys cool. hear that story about how Spielberg's the greatest filmmaker ever? Did you Did you hear about that? That's a that story, story now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was just fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apart from that, I've been catching up on Arrow season three, which is it's good. There's there's some high points, but gee, it's a bit of a slog sometimes. The characters, there's only honestly Ray and and Oliver himself are the only ones that are. Compelling me to keep going. Um, I have I have absolutely zero time for Felicity at the moment. I think she's just a drain on the rest How of it. How dare you, sir? I dare. <laughs> I, I dare. I don't watch Arrow, so I'm a bit confused. <laughs> but um, is Felicity uh, annoying? Felicity is, she has is, gotten is, really she's annoying. talking about my future wife there, right? So, you know, oh, just, okay, right. She <laughs> has gotten really annoying. She isn't quite Laurel annoying, but she's she's there. Oh, I can't, you can't even compare Laurel <laughs> and Felicity. I will put those two in a box. Oh, <laughs> man. Um, and uh, apart from that, I came to the end of the Almighty Johnsons. No. It was, it's always really sad to see the end of a How show. How many was that in total? Three seasons. Okay. Um, one of the nice things about this actually was, we were talking a few weeks ago about All Good Things being mm-hmm. the end of, of Next Generation and... and Probably a much more fitting end in some ways than the Nemesis was. Yeah. Um, All good things for, for for the record, I reckon, is the best like ending for a TV series. For a TV series? I've seen, yeah. I would probably agree. But this one came really close. Yeah. It actually it elegantly tied up all the plot threads. It had moments of, you know, nobility and character drama and you got to the you got the sense that things weren't necessarily entirely over for everyone's story but that new things could start and that that was left to your imagination as the viewer. Mm. And and it was just a really, really satisfying end of the show that left me wishing there was more, but the story was over. Yeah, it that's interesting because yeah, when you think about it, when you were saying that, I was thinking in my head, how many shows actually end without killing off half the cast these days? Yeah. That's, like where that's they right. actually end with some sort of optimism of like these in, instead characters of an will apocalypse. have that's right. after this. Yeah, yeah so that was, that was really good. I was really quite pleased with that. Um, I've been reading a few things too. Uh, I had a chap come into the store the other day and introduce himself to me. His name is Ben Quinlan uh, and he is a listener of the show. Mm -hmm. Hi, Ben. 
Uh, and he gave me a copy of his uh, his graphic novel, Takes One to No One. Yes, yeah. uh, which I just looked at before and looks awesome. It is really cool. It's it's this sort of story that starts off being narrated by a, a young man who clearly can't spell and is poorly educated. But we see in the story everyone around him walking on eggshells, being really nice and careful around him. And, uh, and the intrigue develops from there. Really like the art style. Really cool book. Uh, he's apparently at... Uh, a lot of Sydney shows. Uh, so, yeah, drop by and, and see if you can find a copy of his book. It's really good. The other thing that I read, can we do this? Yeah, yeah. Can we do this? Yeah, yeah we yeah, can do What it. are we doing? Yeah. We're going to do this? We're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I read is uh, a new graphic novel called Inadequate God. Hey, well, sorry. I've heard of this. <laughs> a new first issue called Inadequate Gods by a certain Dave Longo. Yay. <laughs> it is. That time so I got cool. it printed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, it's been coming. <laughs> tell us about it, Dave. Ah, oh, you should tell me about it. I can tell you. Yeah. Okay. This so, is interesting. <laughs> uh, it is about a movie star who is in a film called Explode, which I can't <laughs> believe there isn't actually a film called Explode, um, who is offered the chance to, uh, by a shadowy organization, to become a superstar, uh, you know, one of the, t- the A-grade, top-level uh, Hollywood actors, and he basically tells them to go fuck himself, for they- so they kill him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then the story starts. Yeah. You ever wonder why celebrities die in such mysterious and weird <laughs> fucked up ways? Well, this is your answer. Yeah. So, the, so the story based starts- on undiscovered evidence, right? Yeah. So the story starts with that that concept and then goes to heaven from there. And yes. Yeah. yeah. And he will team up with a deadbeat Jesus to solve a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I got, look, just on a, just on a side note, uh, Dave's been feeding me draft copies and so forth, and now I've, got, I've seen it in print. And it's I've been re- on the download for about I think. Four months, yeah, now, about that. Well. And I yeah. really look. I really enjoyed it. I want to say congratulations. It looks yeah, great well, thanks, in print, man. and it's yeah. a lot of fun. Dave, Dave did all the coloring, the, the illustrating, illustrating, the it's writing. Great. It's all his. It's his he did baby. the acknowledgements. I was he did the I like those yeah. particularly. I, I like the fact that he misspelled your name in it. But Jamie, actually, well, it's, it's funny that I misspelled Jamie's name because Jamie actually proofread it on, <laughs> corrected all the grammar. <laughs> so much for your editing yeah. skills, sir. No, no, I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy, and you should be. Thanks, guys. And if you guys are looking for it, um, it's on Facebook. Uh, you can type in inadequate gods and you'll find it. Or you can just type in iGods, mm-hmm. you know, as if it's an Apple God product. You know? You'll know, get sued uh, for that later. So. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure yeah. I will. Won't I? <laughs> <laughs> now, that it's, uh, now that it's out there, we, we'll do a link from the Facebook. Yeah. On yeah Geek we'll, we'll also put a, yeah, we'll put link, we'll put a sidebar link up on Geek. Actually, I also want to talk about very quickly uh, before you go on any further, Jerry Sings, as we're advertising. Oh, can Dave. I also just say that um, I'll be at the Ashfield Comic Conversation. Yeah. On October first, so will um, I. Yeah, well, both you can meet both of us. <laughs> well, I'll be there. And too. Dave will be I'm there too. Pop around and say hi. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Um, so absolutely. yeah, I'll be selling the book there for only five dollars. And um, yeah, it's. I hope to see you guys there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We definitely want to see everybody there. So if you're a fan of the show, it's your chance to come and meet and greet with us as well. So. Yeah, comic conversation. Ashbury, uh, sorry, Ashfield Library, uh, October the 3rd. Yes, absolutely. Now, the other thing I want to say very quickly before we move on to any more what we've been reading and watching, we actually have a bit of a promo. So this is the first time I think ever we've done an inline promo in Geek Actually. So this is kind of We're odd. selling out. We're not actually selling out because we're not <laughs> selling anything. So, But I just wanted to let you know that our good friends over at Roadshow have basically been in touch with me uh, on a three-pronged attack, basically. So over the next couple of episodes, you're going to be hearing about this. And there may or may not be something at the end we don't know at this point. Ooh. But... Um, um, basically, I haven't it's, even heard of this. Yet. It's Superhero Month uh, from Village Roadshow, and so they wanted to actually 
to reach out to all the, the, the geeky sort of fans and everybody out there and basically say it's in three phases, so we'll only tackle the first phase, but The Flash Season 1 is coming out on Blu-ray this month. So uh, so The Flash Season 1 on Blu-ray, um, we're going to put up a, a bit of a, some information and stuff. So if you haven't caught up with The Flash or you missed it on television or you want to... I love that theme music. Flash! <laughs> or you want to do the... They you don't wanna, really, do they? No. no, no, no. And you want to do, do the right yeah. thing and you don't want to go downloading it illegally or anything. It is going to be on Blu-ray and this is the best way to see it because the show looks a treat. Uh, the Flash is a really is a, just a beautiful looking show. Well worth having a look at. It will be out, I think it's the last week of September. Yeah, get a copy it. and give it to Dave Longo. Yes. Yeah, I still haven't watched it. I've been Dave Longo, to. you need yeah. to see it. So this you is really your do. chance now. Yeah. Um, we'll put up... The, like, they me, ain't kidding. They've been, they've been hammering me to watch The Flash for... For like a year now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Since it came out. Now they've given me uh, some some press information, so I'll put all up it up on the site so you can have a look at, at the information about where it's coming out. And they've given me some really high res pictures from it and stuff like that. So all that's coming out on the site. So keep an eye out for that. You'll also be seeing it on our social media site as well. So uh, just thought I'd throw that out there because very uh, they're, cool. very, they're very kind to us. And yeah. uh, and so yeah, there you go. So that's that's stage one. Have there been any other TV shows where you? You heard the name of the show and you thought you knew what the theme music would be. Because oh. like for me, in yeah. the 80s, Sledgehammer. I was like, that, <laughs> I saw the promos for that and I was like, that's totally going to have Peter Gabriel. That'd be amazing. <laughs> and now there's Flash. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Dave, uh, this is kind of inside baseball, but the uh, person who is running this campaign for Village Roadshow is uh, our Colonel Fury. It's uh, Anthony Oh, Britton. Anthony. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, how are you, Anthony, if you're Anthony, listening? Anthony, yeah. power to you, yeah. sir. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Dave, awesome. what have you been reading and watching this week? Oh. oh, wait, I'm assuming you finished, right? I, I was finished. I was actually going to ask you yeah. because Dave's got secret information. That That's he- true. We'll yeah. save Dave's secret. All right, I'm, I'm going to be very quick because this week has been so busy for me. I did manage, uh, as you know, I'm watching uh, films with my son and we're discovering films together. And in particular, Wednesday nights for me are our pizza night because my wife goes to learn banjo and my son and mm-hmm. I watch movies that she wouldn't necessarily want to watch. That's so, awesome. So it's yeah. kind of like it's our boy. so freaking awesome. Yeah. Wednesday night is our boys night. <laughs> we- last week they no, watched. No, the boys night, yeah. the learning banjo. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's learning banjo, yeah. Didn't you watch Salo last week? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's next week, sir. (laughs) Not yet, not yet. But what we did watch, what we did watch this week, last Wednesday we watched, um, and because this show is coming out midweek. Martyrs. (laughs) This week, because this week is coming out... Because <laughs> this week, because this week is coming out midweek. If anyone two, listening seen Martyrs, they would have just had a heart attack. Or right? Sailor. <laughs> um, uh, for those who don't know, Sailor was banned in the country for what twenty years. Like anyway, uh, last week we watched at my son's request. Now, normally we've been watching like you know these really great films. My my son goes, I really want to see this. So I came in the blue. We watched Hot Tub Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> nice, <laughs> which he loved. Yes, yeah, and really, yeah. really wants to see the sequel, which has just yeah, come out. I I want to see the sequel as apparently well. Apparently the sequel yeah. is not very good. That's what I've heard, but like, it's I don't know, people really didn't like the first one. Apparently the sequel's really bad. Right. <laughs> um, it's sequel's got everybody back. It's same director, same yeah. everybody, except John Cusack. <laughs> so John Cusack saw the writing on the wall, I yeah, think, and that's, stepped away. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, we watched that and he really enjoyed that. Uh, and this week- Let's be honest though, John Cusack was a wet fart in the first one. <laughs> well, it's Craig, true. Craig Robinson was- he stole that film. What, is it, what about when it? he's in the bathtub crying? Oh, the, <laughs> no, yeah. I like I like when uh, when uh, he's having to get the blowjob. <laughs> it's like it's like Gary Col- Gary Coleman's forearm. <laughs> <laughs> What's he saying when he first lifts his shirt? He goes, "Oh, congratulations, man." <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, so the point is we watched that and he enjoyed that. This week we watched last night. In fact, last night was Wednesday. So we watched, um, we just came out on Blu-ray is Ex Machina, which we reviewed on the yeah. show a while back. My God, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. It was actually the one night my wife didn't have Banjo last mm-hmm. night. So my wife, my sister is down from, our sister is up from Melbourne. So we're all gathered in the living room. We're watching Ex Machina. You could have heard a pin yeah. drop in that room. It is a powerful film. My wife summed up. We reviewed it, so you can go back and listen to our review. But my wife summed it up by saying it was one of the tensest films she's yeah. watched in a long time because mm. you just didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. And it's like that's what's really good about that film. Can, anyway. I, can I interrupt for a second and ask, how's your friend going with Star Wars? How's my friend going? Oh, oh, so okay, so uh, we're we've done Empire now. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so we've done yeah. We're actually doing uh, Jedi. Um, we're hosting it at. There's six people in the group, mm-hmm. and we each one of us is taking uh, the hosting duties. So the the next one, Jedi, is my turn. Yeah, so it's going to be nice. here, and we're just trying to work out the day. The problem is trying to get six employees who work at the same place and shift work organized that they can all be there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's hard work. But yeah. she's watched Empire. She loved Empire. Um, I think her reaction when the- You bo- should play the Jabba's Palace music in your living room when they all, <laughs> when they all arrive. No, no, no. Yeah. The Ewok theme because- it's not the f- No, you got to play, you gotta play <laughs> the Ewok theme because it's not in the film anymore. <laughs> the Jab Jab. She watched Empire, and I think my favorite part of that was, you know how the quote of the, the, quote of the decade came from her when she said, I like the black man. Uh, talking, uh-huh. about, talking about Darth Vader. Yep. She's Brazilian. We should mm-hmm. express this. Uh, she actually, when when he said, I am your father, and the the, the, the penny dropped, yep. she just was kind of looking around the room and she goes, I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> so it is really, you know, it is a wonderful experience did, did, watching the Star Wars Did you trilogy. say you have to wait to the uh, to Jedi and to find the confirmation? I said to her, I said, there's still another twist to come. Yeah. And she goes, yeah. no, no, not another one. <laughs> but isn't, isn't, isn't that how it happened historically, though? The, like half the people that watched Empire didn't believe it. Didn't yeah. Believe it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so Empire. They're waiting she, for the paternity test. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Luckily, <laughs> luckily. Why did you not tell me you'll be. Oh, what is it? Why did you not tell me Darth Vader was from my a father? certain point of view? Well, from a certain point of view, <laughs> he was. Um, <laughs> He's more machine. It is now. fascinating watching the Star Wars trilogy like this with somebody who has zero knowledge yeah. of mm. Star Wars. I mean, she didn't know that was coming. And yeah. how, I mean, how do you not know that's coming in this day and age? So it is fascinating to watch it with her and to watch it with, with five other, with, with four other Star Wars nerds. <laughs> I mean, we are, we're all like, yeah. yeah. I, I've know? only seen the film 500 times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're all sitting there yeah. biting at the bit because we want to quote along with it, but we're yeah. not allowed to because she's watching it, you know? So, you know, it's a fascinating experience. But yes, we're, we've done Empire. We're doing Jedi next. The funny I'm thing, looking at BB-8 right now on, on Dave's table. BB-8 sitting right here. The mm-hmm. funniest part of all of this is that the next film after the one I host is Star Wars Episode One because we're doing them in release order and nobody wants to host it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> such crap. You should I just say, just say at the very, very least, you're going to hear some of the most amazing movie music you've ever heard. Yeah, but at you know, the very least. Yeah. I, made a, I made a proposition to, or a uh, proposition, not a proposition. I made it, not a proposition, that's not the word I meant to say at all. I think it's a preposition. Da, 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 anyway, where I said <laughs> there is a point to be made. Also, here. the most famous scene in that movie doesn't have any any music. There you go. Can you hold off for one second? <laughs> the no. The important <laughs> part. The important part that I made about this whole thing to the people who didn't want to host episode one. I may I may actually host that one as well. Is that for somebody who has no emotional baggage to Star Wars at all? 
she may actually really like the prequel trilogy. It's true. You know? So I said, we need to just let her experience them. Mm. Also, if you can't get someone to host episode one, who the hell's going to host episode two? My God. Oh, no. People <laughs> have already said they'll host episode two. And Jow is biting at the bit to host episode three. Re- so, you know. Um, what? Is it just like the kitsch of having Attack of the Clones play in your house? I like- don't mind <laughs> Attack of the Clones, any, dude. Is- any, any true Star Wars fan would not have a problem hosting those films. No, absolutely. That's how Even I if they absolutely hate them, Do you know what? they would be like, let's watch Worst it Worst case scenario, I host the last four myself so yeah and you are welcome to come to them by the way. I, I, I will come for any Star Wars you just got you're not ever. allowed to quote along yeah. with the film <laughs> oh really yeah that's no. that's the problem no oh, rat him. Rat him. <laughs> no death sticks <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's uh, me oh, <laughs> one last thing from me um, I wanted to talk about very quickly about once, <laughs> once again comic book uh, yep. We and Dave, you read this as yes. well, which was Star Wars: Shattered Empire, mm-hmm. which was the latest in the Star Wars series of books that are all canon. And this is actually uh, a prequel or a lead up to uh, Force Awakens. Yes, yeah, set during the final moments of the Battle of Endor mm-hmm. and what happened after the Battle of Endor. Is this on the one Endor? with Wedge? No, 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 no. This is the one with. Poe Dameron's parents, yes, ah. and they were. She was a pilot during the during the uh, the Endor battle, and he was one of uh, Han Solo's troops mm-hmm. um, on on the planet surface. Oh, nice. and, and it's really I thought for a moment you were going to say they were Ewoks. No, no, no. it's really, really <laughs> Ewoks are in it though. Yeah, Ewoks are in it. Dave and I were actually talking about it. It's a fascinating book to read because of the structure of the book. It is like reading Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead <laughs> in the sense yeah. that. The events and the characters you know coming in and out, but it's not about them. Yeah, and so you're kind of having. Oh, that's cool. It's like there's a bit of Leia and Han Solo walking by, having a conversation, but then our characters go off in the other direction. So you sort of go, "This is bizarre." Yeah. <laughs> it's like the first one of the first scenes is Luke taking off of the Death Star in the Tidarium shuttle. And she's actually one of the fighters who confronts him, and he says, "No, no, I'm a friendly," and she lets him go. So it's like it's it's that kind of connection. To oh, that it. sounds awesome! It's a really, really good book. This is well worth having a look at. It's four issues, I think. We've had first issue I up think so, now. Yeah, well worth having a look. Let's just stay for the record. This entire run of Marvel Star Wars, yeah, has been phenomenal. They're killing it. They're killing it. This is this is, and this is all canon to the Star mm-hmm. Wars Empire, mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars franchise. This is amazing stuff. They've done such a good job That's putting it. this together. They are coming out with the C-3PO one shot that explains how will, he got his I red arm. I will give it the benefit of the doubt, sir. Me too. Look, I, I will too. They could make a book about Lobot and make it fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will give it the benefit of the doubt as well, but that book had better knock my socks off. Yeah, man. but I, <laughs> I don't get where the 3PO hate comes from, to be honest. I, I have no hate like, for 3PO. I just don't think that he is a just, character that can sustain be, an entire yeah, story. But it's, 3PO without R2 is not anything. R2, and you know R2, R2 will, will be, be in there. it. R2 yeah. You know what? It, like, he's like a worse version of Hugh Grant. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh dear. I, I seem to be English. Oh, oh master. But I love Hugh Grant. So, look, it could have been too. worse. Yeah. The original Me plan. Too. The original plan for C three PO was to be a Groucho Marx style stand up comedian. Yeah. And when they actually presented Anthony uh, Anthony Daniels to George Lucas, apparently he didn't want him. Mm. He didn't like what he was doing and all this. So it could have been. A, it could have been Jar Jar. Yeah. In '77, you know, let's let's be very careful that what we got was an infinitely mm. better character. I so. do love the idea of him just walking around waving his hands in the air like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, Dave, what is the super secret movie? <laughs> well, sorry. Or do you want to do the rest of it first? It's not American Ultra, or or and it's not a Southpaw. 
which I also saw. Right, how were those? <laughs> to just the <laughs> yeah. tell, tell us about yeah. those. Uh, I really liked American Ultra actually a lot. I was disappointed. Oh, we should, that we oh, didn't, we should stress yeah. we haven't mentioned this at all. Last week or the last show, we said we were going to do American Ultra this mm. week. Yep. We're actually not doing American yeah, Ultra. I, this I, week. I went first to watch it. And you yeah. went to see it, yeah. and then we couldn't find sessions. Yeah, yeah so, so it, it was down to playing once per day by absolutely. the time I went to see it. And we still yeah, want to talk about it. And when it comes out in Blu-ray, we will review it. Yeah, we definitely should. It's really enjoyable. So we have actually conceded, and we are reviewing this week the film. Ooh. that I didn't even want to see, which is Adam Sandler's Pixels. But we'll come back to that at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about American Ultra, though, because this is the film I wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, like uh, a lot of, lot's been said about American Ultra already, but like it's Jesse Eisenberg and Christopher Stewart. You know, um, yeah, I know, but the kind of thing is like it's a real nerd property, so it's been out there a lot. Max you Landis do know the name of the show the thing. you're on. Yeah, right? I know, I know. Um, <laughs> and it's not that exciting to talk about either. It's like uh, Max Landis wrote the script. Yep. Uh, first script he's had put out since Chronicle, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and it's kind of bug nuts, crazy, whacked out of its mind film. Like, it's not really a comedy. It's not really an action film. It's like in between. The stoner element that the marketing's been heavy on is not really a big part of the movie. They just smoke weed. Right. It's like it's normal kind so of So it's thing. not Bill and Ted's mm-hmm. do Kung Fu. No, no, it's not like, oh, whoa, yeah. But I think the, the movie might have been better had it been that way. But it's like, <laughs> again, it's one of these things. I, uh, I went with a couple of friends and they'd seen the trailer and they hated it. Because the trailer like is beat. The trailer for American Ultra actually shows you the very final scene of the film. In, oh, really? In like, like in in the order. So like the final scene of the trailer is like the final scene of the movie. So like I, I'm watching it sort of not knowing where anything's going. So I really enjoyed it. Whereas the experience my friends had was we knew everything that was going to happen. Oh, that right. sucks. So I think like a lot of the reason why because the movie's being like destroyed by critics. It's being ravaged, and I think a lot of that really this time has to do with the marketing. People going in there and seeing marketing, everything they marketing saw. can wreck a movie. Yeah, and I think in this it did because it sold it as a stoner comedy, which it's not, and then it showed every single scene and the ending. It shows it was a stoner comedy crossed with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. is what it was sold as. Mm. You know, yeah. so. and it's got problems, but it's kind of like Edgar Wright, Sam Raimi kind of material, like where it sort of balances like really weird tone. Who directed it again? Uh, his name's Nima something. Uh, right. He directed that Project X. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah um, so it's it's got a re- weird, wild, whacked out of its mind tone that isn't quite successful for mm, the most of the mm, movie. Um, mm. But I mean, the cast is amazing. It's like got Bill Pullman in there. It's got Topher Grace playing this like fucking magnificent asshole like that you just <laughs> love to hate. Like, um, so basically yeah, every film you've yeah. ever played in. Yeah, but this time... Yeah. Real play to the nines. Right, like okay. It's got um, Tony Hale from Veep and from Arrested Development. Uh, you know, it's a really enjoyable romp. It doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's got some really crazy, fun action scenes. Sounds like my kind of film. You know, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. What about Southpaw? And Southpaw is the complete other side of the coin, which is like a deadly serious... Um, okay. I should preface first that I'm a huge fan of Kurt Sutter. The, mm. the Kurt Sutter wrote Southpaw. And um, so Kurt Sutter, for people who don't know created and wrote most of Sons of Anarchy. Right. And he was a writer on The Shield. And so for people who know Kurt Sutter, they know his particular brand of fucked up. Like he takes things to like the the darkest, most surreal places. He sort of, he sort of takes cliches and tropes and then he like subverts them by taking the real edgy line. And so I thought Southpaw, because I'd been getting a lot of negative reviews, how it was a cliched boxing movie. Like it just does the whole... Um, you know, typical Rocky story. Yeah, yeah. So I went in there expecting not much, like maybe this is a Kurt Sutter, you know, whatever. 
But it, it has a, a something that happens in the first 10 minutes that really surprised me. And uh, I don't want to spoil it because I think people should go out and see it because it's such a huge, like it takes the Kurt Sutter line is the best way to explain it. Right. Like, um, cool. Really fucked up. But the cool thing about Southpaw that I really wanted to sell people on was that it's not like your average underdog story. You know how your typical boxing movie will be like, um, starts off as nothing and grows. Yeah, yeah uh, well, I'm gonna make a comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get hit, you get hit again. <laughs> but this one here, it, it begins with um, with him as as a, a peak level heavyweight boxer, and it all gets thrown away because of ego and an accident that happens, and so he goes back to square one, and so has to he has to become. Uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain the way that it's approached is like it's it's a it's a sports movie about how important the mind is in sports. So there's not real much like on on the it's a it's kind of tongue tied about it because they make a big deal about how sports are violent and boxing is a as a uh, an arena that fuels like violence and rage and racism and and why he's been so good at boxing is because he's incredibly violent and aggressive and has a anger issue, you know? And so when his family gets ripped apart in the beginning, he, he has to put more focus on his mind and mental ability through um, teaming up with Forrest Whitaker, who's a trainer. And, um, and so it has this real interesting focus on how important the mind is to winning in a boxing sport. So it's like match. the talented Mr. Rocky. Kinda, yeah. You know, like it's, it's hard. I, I didn't. I didn't really think about it much until just now. So, like, I apologize for like being really wordy on that one. But like, it's super fun, and it's like, I did read afterwards that it was written for Eminem to play. Oh, cool. So Eminem's got a song in there, and Eminem produced the film. And Jake Gyllenhaal like has this amazing performance. But there are moments where you really feel the like the the Eminem Marshall Mathers. Mm-hmm feel to it so if you're a fan of eight mile or if you're a fan of eminem's music in general i'd really really recommend it because it basically is is the eminem story but transplanted to boxing boxing and it's got like the the drug abuse family problems and the the relationship with the daughter like is he a responsible like child services are a big part of the movie and so it's like it it really is kind of like the eminem story but done in the boxing arena. I really want to see it actually. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's really really good. And James Horner's final film. Mm. Uh, that's the saddest part. We missed you last week. Tell us what you thought yeah. of Compton. I loved Straight Outta Compton. You kidding? Yeah. Speaking of rappers. Right about now. Yeah. Enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Never enough I agree. With that. Everything. Everything you guys said. Um. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Like, yeah, like down to the point of where you were saying that, you know, you can't wait to get the Blu-ray and just watch mm. it over and over again. I'm the same. And uh, I've also been listening to a lot of NWA. You mean like this? Yeah. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I know. There's not much else for me to say, like, beyond what you already said. Like, the... So I still got the, the sample from last week. <laughs> what, what the, in particular, what the movie paid attention to. Mm. Like, uh, where it could have been this very straight up, like you know, biopic about like underdog rappers and no, it didn't. It took a different road. Yeah, it did. Know. Definitely. You know, and, and it was shot like, oh, it's amazing. Unbelievably. Film. It's just an amazing film. And it was Danny um, Boyle's cinematographer. And he's oh, also worked with oh, Fincher. Uh, Libertique, that makes sense. Matthew Libertique. Yeah. Yeah. Right, there you go. I uh, know it's an amazing looking Speaking film. Speaking of that, did you hear about um, how they're shooting the Steve Jobs film? You know how it's set in three different eras? Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently like, 
20 minutes of the movie is an 8 millimeter. Yeah, I've heard this. I've heard the yeah. mix. Yeah. And then it jumps cool. to 16 millimeter and then the Yeah, they mix the format yeah. all over the place, apparently. Yeah. yeah. That's really intriguing. Curious. Very curious to see that. Uh, all right. Surprise movie you've, time. You've, oh, you've can you guys been... talk about something else to save me some breath? So no, we're done. Oh, we're okay. done. It's your turn, dude. Your moment to shine. Okay. So it's it's a surprise film because we the three of us have had discussions about this movie. Um, we know if people who've been listening probably know that I was reading a book called Dreamcatcher. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went to JB Hi-Fi after I finished this book and I bought the movie of Dreamcatcher. Oh, why'd you buy it, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Way to bury the lead on that one. <laughs> so now people know how I feel yeah. about this movie. Okay. So we've Dreamcatcher. <laughs> <laughs> the book, as we know, it's a bad is... sign that you can't even say the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to attempt to explain the plot of Dreamcatcher in a moment, but I will say that this, the Dreamcatcher, is an important thing for Stephen King fans because Dreamcatcher is the first book that Stephen King wrote after he had his accident, after he got hit by a van and was like basically, like, um, what's the word for it? I guess like incapacitated. Incapacitated, yeah. Like, and so Dreamcatcher is written. I would have thought Misery was the first book yeah, he wrote yeah. after that. No, Misery's written no, way. No, early. no, no. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you see my point. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So Misery's basically what happened to him, essentially. Yeah. yeah um, so two things to note is that King was on OxyContin for the like the whole time he wrote this book, and on top of that, he wrote a longhand because he couldn't sit at a computer because of his back pain and his problems with his accident, I guess. And so King since, uh, he was asked in a Rolling Stone interview recently, like, um, you look back on your time of writing, is there anything you regret? And his answer was, I regret the book Dreamcatcher. Because <laughs> um, I was on so much OxyContin at the time that what I wrote was ridiculous. So after after reading the book, I'm kind of thinking like, well, it explains a lot of the, the messed up, like ridiculous notions in the book. So my first thought was, why did they make this into a movie? Like, like they could have picked any what Stephen King book. What did Lawrence Kasdan see? That's this? the thing. Lawrence Kasdan directed this, and he co-wrote it with William Goldman. And Dave, do you want to just say a bit about William Goldman, who he is, if people William, aren't familiar? Look, that's, that's an amazing pair of names yeah, to put together. Yeah, yeah. William Goldman, for those who aren't familiar, <laughs> is one of Hollywood royalty. This is the man who wrote All the Presidents. The Men, Princess Bride. The princess, well, let's go back further than that. He wrote Harper. He wrote A Bridge Too Far. He the wrote, Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. <laughs> He's a novelist who then turned into a screenwriter who also continues to write novels. Like he, The Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote the, the film Adam of Misery. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a William Goldman screenplay. Um, he is um, he is he wrote the Great Waldo Pepper. I mean, the man is a legend. Now he also wrote a book which is considered to be the Bible of Hollywood called The Adventures in the Screen Trade, which he prefaces mm-hmm. by saying it's not a biography and it's not a how-to book. It is just his experiences in Hollywood mm-hmm. and how and his experience around films. And it is considered, if you are a film person at all it is considered essential reading Mm -hmm. now he also wrote a follow-up to that um which isn't as good but it's still a very interesting book uh it was the later films that he worked on but adventures of screen trade is well worth having a look and yes he wrote the princess bride novel and film Mm. so (laughs) go on yes and lawrence Lawrence kasdan for those who are not familiar who lawrence kasdan is Mm -hmm. yes he is co-writing he wrote co-wrote empire strikes back and return of jedi and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. but in his own right, as a, as a filmmaker and as a writer, he wrote and directed The Big Chill, Silverado, I Love You to Death. Yeah. He wrote Bodyguard, I think. 
He Did wrote, he direct Bodyguard? Uh, no, he didn't direct Bodyguard, oh. but he wrote Body Heat and mm-hmm. directed. That was his actually directorial debut mm-hmm. with uh, a very young unknown at the time named Kathleen Turner. Yeah. He discovered her and William Hurt. And, and Body Heat is an absolutely brilliant film noir. I mean, it, it is just dripping in atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable. It's all set in a heat wave in Florida and you can literally feel yourself sweating watching it. Yeah. It is just, it is, it's amazing. Yeah. And Kathleen Turner was just sex on legs. I mean, it, it is just, an amazing film. I love film yeah. noir. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. And Body Heat is Body Heat's great. Fucking phenomenal. So he didn't do The Princess Bride, but he's no, really good. But uh, William, uh, uh, <laughs> but William uh, Goldman did. Uh, <laughs> William Goldman wrote, wrote Princess Bride, but uh, so you've got these two power yeah. players here. So the buck you've got doesn't. Two, two the Hollywood buck, royalty. Here. The, the buck doesn't stop here, though, right? So you've got James Newton Howard doing the score. Yep. You've got John Seal on cinematography. Yep. And let's say it's produced by Castle Rock Entertainment, yep. which is a company in itself named after a Stephen King and town. Rob Reiner, and Rob who, Reiner yeah. who directed Misery and. and the Princess Bride. The Princess Bride, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's still not the rest of it. The cast, every single person in the cast but Donnie Wahlberg is is famous now. You've got Thomas Jane. <laughs> You've got Damien Lewis, who, who the- won an Emmy for Homeland. Thomas Jane's the Punisher. Yeah. You've got Jason Lee. Yes. Yeah. And you've got um the big kahuna, Morgan Freeman. Do you want a chocolate pretzel? Yeah. And you've also got um <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You got um Morgan uh, Freeman. Morgan Fre- and Tom Sizemore. And Tom Sizemore. You know, before his whole, like, I'm on heroin. Have you seen period. his porn film? It's fascinating. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, what's this? Tell it's, me about it that. Was a, it was a home porn film he made with some hookers and while he was, <laughs> while he was drug induced. I have it somewhere around here. It's called it's called the Times the Tom Sizemore Meltdown or something like that. It's 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 remarkable. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> You know all those scenes in Wolf of Wall Street? They're real. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you, okay. So the storyline we've established for Dreamcatcher is just absolute bug nuts, bullshit, bad shit, aliens into your body. Yeah, through the toilet. Yeah, uh, as Stephen King so eloquently puts it on the behind the scenes, he says that I was I, when I wrote the book, I was looking for a taboo that wasn't yet explored, and so I first thought of sex, but sex has been explored in so many horrors now that it's it's no longer interesting. But I thought, oh. The toilet. That's that's a place of taboo that's not been explored before because apparently the first time most human beings think about their own death is when they're in the bathroom and they notice piss and they no- they notice blood in their piss or they or or whatever they vomit or like that's apparently a really scary thing. So King's interpretation is that I'm going to have aliens that grow inside your body and then you take a shit and they, <laughs> they they're called shit weasels and they look like a slivering piece of poo that have a vaginal teeth mouth. As you do. As you do. And that's just the beginning of Dreamcatcher. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. You believe any of this voodoo bullshit, Blair? <laughs> but wh- but where, where I wanted okay, to get to. Okay, so we got Alias yep. Hollywood meets Taboo yeah, Horror. Yep. Drug induced, so, drug induced yeah. king. So, so the storyline of Dreamcatcher, I'm not going to go into too much detail, just very brief, is that. Bunch of guys go hunting in uh, in the woods. They get a cabin. A guy shows up. He's bloated and he starts to fart and the farts are really stinky. And then he shits out an alien and the alien takes control of one of the guys. And the way they communicate it in the movie is that the alien has a British accent. And it's a, and it's a, a, a schizoid. Uh, yeah. If you remember this from the film. Yeah. So it's, it's like, back yeah. So, so, you, so you're having an entire film where one of the guys played by Damien Lewis, who has a real English accent in real life, walking around going, I'm Mr. Gray and I want to kill you all. You know, like Ross riding a, like a snow speeder. 
But um, where it gets really, really interesting is Donnie Wahlberg, who plays Duddits. And Duddits was their childhood mentally disabled friend who is in fact their dream catcher. For, for when they were young, their mentally challenged friend gave them all physical and uh, telekinetic abilities. As you do. <laughs> As, As you do. do. So how do you defeat aliens that shit out of your ass? By being superheroes. By, by having <laughs> telekinetic powers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you have this like, like what, what reads fairly well, like considering <laughs> shot magnificently with an amazing soundtrack, with a phenomenal cast, with, with a script that by all accounts is- The dialogue's really well written. The the dialogue is like yeah. verbatim what King wrote. The, yeah. the the script itself is verbatim, except for the ending, which they drastically change for some unknown reason. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's like why change the ending when you've done the whole story service? <laughs> you know, but like you have scenes in here where it's Morgan Freeman, where, where, where he has a helicopter that seats one person. And it has a machine gun underneath. <laughs> so you have Morgan Freeman flying around, like <laughs> shooting people with this machine gun helicopter, <laughs> like like saying stuff like, the time now is to finish this. You know, it's a nonsensical, hilarious film. Like, um, but yet with like an $80 million budget, it's unbelievable. So did it's you enjoy unbelievable. it? Unbelievable. Well, it transcended bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what? I may have to watch it again because it was a long time ago and I remember really not liking it. But in here plus, plus, if you buy a copy of the DVD, of the DVD then they will have made like 50 bucks back. Yeah. Well, I bought the Blu-ray. million dollar budget. Yeah. I, I would buy it on the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray was 12 bucks. Dude, I'm a man yeah. who owns Howard the yeah. Duck on Blu-ray. Yeah. Come on. And it was <laughs> and and a, and a novel that I found to be a bit of a slog. This was like a phenomenal 2 hours and 15 minutes <laughs> of just hilarity. I think I may have to watch cuz we may hilarity. have a candidate for the GWBL. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like oh. I got to watch it again. See if I can see if I can find that you I feel like after rambling on for so long now, I still haven't done it justice. <laughs> i tell you what. I will Everyone's make it my so, mission over yeah. the next couple of weeks. I can't guarantee it's going to happen this week, but the next couple of weeks, I will make it my <laughs> yeah. mission to rewatch Dreamcatcher. Yeah. Okay? I just I just want to put it out there for every person listening. Just please, just go and get Dreamcatcher and watch it and experience it. Is it streaming anywhere? I don't know. I just bought the blue. Haven't it, noticed it. Yeah. Probably isn't. <laughs> but it, it's phenomenal. You've never seen so many talented people together in one place. Just... Netflix, like, if if you yeah. watch, if you're listening, we I need, bet those yeah. rights are cheap. Yeah, we need streaming right <laughs> because, now because it's not. And you you it, get it, at yeah. least three watches because it's 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 not it's not ever a. Why I want to stress it so much is it's not ever a case of they knew they were making something bad. Well, not like, with that talent. Like it's involved. clearly like everybody in there loved the book and thought they were making like a great adaptation of the book. Hence William Goldman mm-hmm. adapting it. I'm so, just checking Netflix now. Hold on a second. Wow. So it's yeah. Like, let's, um, let's have a look. I've got the Oracle of Netflix right here. So. Oh. Okay, while you're doing that, I'll explain the character of Beaver. Beaver, played by Jason Lee, is someone who, for an, no no explicable reason whatsoever, just likes to have a toothpick in his mouth. He has an oral fixation. So every single scene that you see him in, he's got a toothpick in his mouth. When, um, when said person takes a shit on, uh, into a toilet of an alien, Jason Lee is forced to sit onto the toilet to contain the alien monster. And you and the alien monster is... And Jason Lee's on the toilet like, I can't contain it, I can't contain it. So Damien Lewis, who's also in the room, runs out. And he's like, I'm going to go to the, to the, to the, um, 
the out room and I'm going to grab some of the gaffer tape and we'll come back and we'll take the toilet shut, but just sit tight. I'll only be a couple minutes. So you have this protracted like three minute sequence where Jason Lee is sitting on the toilet all calm and then there's a bump from inside the toilet and he, he drops all his toothpicks onto the blood and a shit caked floor. And, um, and he's so desperate to get a tooth. This happens all in the book too, but in the book it kind of makes more sense because they establish yeah. why he has the toothpicks, etc. And it's more protracted. It's like 10, 15 minutes in there. But in the movie, the toothpicks land on the floor and he is so desperate to have a toothpick that he reaches down to grab a toothpick, which when is when the alien get, jumps out of the toilet. <laughs> and his own demise is because he was desperate to have a toothpick. <sighs> You're not selling this anymore. And it's not, it on, it's not on Netflix. No. Okay, well, if you ever if you want to see a sequence where they tip over a really obese man and you see uh, a huge like what looks to be a shotgun blasted asshole <laughs> which I couldn't believe they I couldn't believe they they showed. I couldn't believe they showed. Still not selling it. <laughs> this is the kind of thing you'll you'll experience something like this every 5 minutes. If you if you if you if you're having doubts, Google Morgan Freeman Dreamcatcher and have a look at his eyebrows. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, we got a winner here. Dreamcatcher is available on iTunes Store for rental at 4.99. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, well, yeah. It's a train wreck. And it you can buy it. 4.99 yeah. you can rent it or you can buy it for It's 11, not a train wreck. You can That's buy the thing. It's like, a, it's like on every possible level, it's a perfect movie. Like like it's like it's really well acted, it's really well shot, it's really well put together. The score is amazing and they took they took the book and they just adapted the book and they did a really good adaptation. And it's hard for so me to the sit book here. is a train wreck. So the problems all lie in the book, but it's the only movie I've ever seen in my life where I can't give any problems to the people who made the movie. It's all it's all down on so King. So the big question yeah. as you said before, the big question but is But King wrote an alright book. Like the question is, why did they adapt this book? That's the question, yeah. yeah. And you're like, what the fuck of all happened? The book, of all the books they could have done, why did they do this book? All right. We're going to move on because we're an hour into the show. Oh, shit. And we're news this would be this one. No, it's not. You guys That's love film news. What's it's this one? And the truth <laughs> shall set you free. Thanks, Always Jim. a good professional operation. I, I gotta say, I have a feeling this Dreamcatcher ranting is gonna come back to bite me somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Mr. Well, Kazan's lawyers will be on that phone. Liam Goldman was listening to this podcast. <laughs> All right, so. Jamie, I like the title of this of this news story, so hit us with it. The title of this news story is what I actually said when I read this news story. Jesus fuck Marvel, can you possibly make it any more obvious what you're doing? So let's so, go find this article. Where is this article? Where it's put right it? here. So the headline for this article, Terrigen Mists Revealed to be Killing Mutants in Extraordinary X-Men number one preview. Spoilers! <laughs> like, way to bury the lead, guys. But um, honestly... Honestly, we know that you are angry about the whole Fox thing, Marvel, and that you're trying to bury the X-Men in the comics. But come on, you're actually literally killing them off and replacing them, actually replacing them with the Inhumans, like on the spot. Here, you can see it go play by play. What's interesting about this is this is on the heels of the news that Marvel has separated from Marvel Pictures, which means that you kind of look at it and go, I wonder why they're continuing this in the comic books now. It's not relevant to them I know. Anymore. It's, uh... Anyway, so, uh, yeah. Look, they've been. this has been on the cards for the last couple of years. They've been basically pushing the Inhumans over the mutants because they don't have the film rights to the mutants mm-hmm. and so forth. But really, this you're right. This is a very heinous... Look, I, I, I don't make any apologies for Fox either. 
but it's just gotten stupid and petty and the fans are paying for it at this point. Yeah. And it's just, you know, for heaven's sake, write good stories. That's what we want. You know what? There must have been a brief moment there where Marvel saw X-Men Origins Wolverine and went, yeah, we're getting those rights back soon. You know? And then, no, it didn't happen. But anyway, because Marvel mm. X-Men, the thing I remember is X-Men Origins Wolverine, as much as people may have hated it, made a shit ton of money. Man, I mean, look, let's not forget... See, I think people tend to just focus on the bad in Fox. Mm. We are talking about the company that made X-Men, which launched the modern superhero film And X-Men 2, which a lot of people consider to be one of the best ones. And Deadpool. I think it's probably the best... X-Men 2 is probably the best superhero film there is, in my view. But yeah, you know, like... and. You know, there's there's been Days of Future Past, um, First Class were both very good films. Mm. I didn't hate X Men Three. Just gonna put it out there. Yeah, didn't hate it. Um, I agree with you one hundred percent, man, one hundred ten percent. Because but like, for heaven's sake, people need to realize that like that these are just creative people that are hired by a corporation to make a movie. That's yeah. exactly right. It's like I'm, it's I'm not. Gonna, it's, I'm gonna put know. it out there. Didn't really hate Wolverine either. Yeah, mm. but for heaven's sake, you know, Marvel, Fox, sit down, have a chat, have a coffee. It's okay. Stop. Take just a chill. Stop killing off your characters. Stop yeah. killing off characters. Stop trying to wreck things for the people who actually want to read and watch and enjoy yeah. the X-Men. Fox, I mean, Fox could have spent $4 billion. They could have. They yeah. wouldn't have, but they could yeah. have. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving from that to Dave, you're actually reading this right now. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're putting that movie aside. Jamie, hit us with it. It is the 50th anniversary of Dune this year. Dune is a seminal science fiction book. Uh, I am a ridiculously big fan. I used to teach Dune. Uh, I have been reading Dune since I was a kid. Uh, Dune is its amazing. It is a blend of science fiction, fantasy, political, political drama. Um, it's a coming-of-age story. It's a social commentary. It's about rebellion and a and obedience and evil so, and good and everything. Yeah. At its core, though, it's just a damn good sci-fi adventure film, adventure book as well. This is a great book. And it is fantastic. It's a great. It's a great series of books. I will say, I think for me, the first trilogy is a great trilogy. Then Frank Herbert may have been dropping a few too many mushrooms for the second yeah, trilogy. For sure. Uh, you know, and and to you know, they're not quite Frank Herbert, but the the Brian Herbert and. Uh, Kevin Anderson stuff is actually pretty good too. So Dune um, often flies under the radar a little bit um, because it's never had a really great film version. No. Um, mm. But it is one of the best science fiction books ever written. Now, Dave is reading Dune for the first time. Yeah. What did you think? I'm almost completed. I've got like 100, book, 100 right? pages left. Um, and yeah, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. No, it's a phenomenal piece of writing. I saw the movie when I was younger. Um, and I've always liked the movie, but now it's been a real eye opener to so what happened more. with that film. Um, I knew a lot about June, like Jorodowski's June. I went yeah. and saw that film. Um, well, one of my closest friends is doing a thesis on June at the moment, and so it ties into the 50th anniversary. And so it's it's been around in my life for quite a lot, like the last year. And so I just decided finally, especially after talking to Jamie about it. Like a couple of weeks ago, and Jamie started telling me that he used to teach June and all this stuff, mm. and I'm still waiting for that uh, that document. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll bring and, it. Yeah, and um, yeah, and so I thought enough's enough. I have to read this book, like you know. And now I am, and I'm. I was just talking to the guys before the show that like I'm. I've already committed to reading like the six <laughs> like Herbert books already. Like <laughs> you know, 
Like, it I is. love it that much. I think it's exceptionally well written and communicated. For like, it, it's one of these things where it's such a dense and it's so mythology that just flows and reads, mm. and it's and he has these wonderful things that he does, like um, like quotations, citations, I guess. Of um, yeah, of, every chapter starts with a. Uh, historical remnant, mm. essentially, which tells you, which slowly pieces together what happens in the story overall. Yeah. So you sort of get these foreshadowings of what's going to happen. Uh, and at the same time, it brings it back to being very real. Mm. Uh, you know, it suggests that this is history and it's established and that this is what went on. And so it gives it a, a very authentic tone. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think is amazing, and this is true, like, I think the greatest science fiction tends to see the future in ways that we end up developing towards. So, best examples I can give you, H.G. Uh, Wells wrote a story postulating the existence of the tank, and then 20 years later they invented the tank. Mm. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation essentially predated and invented the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flip phone. And the flip phone. And, uh, like and the compact and the uh, floppy disk. Yeah, FaceTime. Yep. FaceTime. Yep. Whole bunch of different things. Automatic doors. The original series. <laughs> Dune essentially essentially gave us environmentalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a That's lot of ways. That's precisely what my friend's thesis is about. In the yeah. 1960s, this book looked at and it was based on uh, Herbert's own observations of sand dunes. He was a journalist and he was he was writing an article on them. But he observed that the dunes themselves were starting to degrade and change. And it formed the basis of this story about a planet that is essentially a giant sand dune wherein there's life that is intimately tied to the ecosystem mm-hmm. and, and maintains it. And uh, through the entire plot, someone threatens to destroy that life and thus change the ecosystem, which would collapse the global economy. Uh, oh, not the global, the, the, the intergalactic the, the economy. The Empire. Because there is this one... One drug called the spice, which comes Menage. from which comes from Dune, <laughs> and which powers interstellar, interstellar travel. Uh, so, if they can destroy that, then there won't be any more interstellar travel. The entire mm. empire collapses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, the interesting thing about all that is the terrorist that threatens to do this is our hero. Yeah, and uh, and that I mean the whole thing is just puts so much stuff on its head. It's it's an amazing story. Mm. Um, but I mean, you're reading it at the moment. Give us yeah, like that. Like I'm, I'm absolutely finding a lot of these things as I'm going, and I, I really do have the added benefit of being able to speak to someone like Jamie and to speak to someone like Patrick and you, Dave, mm. as well. I didn't, I didn't know you'd read that much of mm. June until just now, and um, yeah, and so the kind of thing is like particularly the ecology of June is a big mm-hmm. thing of my friend's thesis. So I am finding a lot about like the direct influences that Herbert had to it, uh, the Middle Eastern influences yep. that came into it, the um. Well, the whole thing serves as a metaphor for 1960s politics yeah. and the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Middle Eastern Crisis, and mm. it's it's all in there. Yeah, and it's all in there. And and I'm, and I'm also looking at it as sort of like uh, on a story level because I think it's a phenomenal achievement. Like I know it sounds a bit gauche, I think, to say like something from th- this long ago is still 50 years, baby. You know, and it's like it's it's a wonderful, wonderful read. I haven't got to the end yet, but you know, like. To put it in perspective, I, I only this time last week I hadn't started it. If you, you know. and, and to put that in perspective, Dune is a six hundred page novel. Yeah, it's quite thick. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, if you haven't read Dune, please do yourself a favor. You will yeah. love it. It's great. It is a well. It is one of those classics that is. 
even if it's not necessarily your style of book, these are books that you should read, mm. such as J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Absolutely. Uh, Dune, and so forth. And you look at these, and these are the books where you go, this is kind of essential reading. It's kind of like you look at it and go, it's it's not school time, it's just something you should read because this has made its mark. Yeah, And, and it, it's, it's, and it's, it's super it's enjoyable whilst being incredibly rich. Like, yeah. it's not it's not a slog, you know? It's definitely, yeah, it's it's great. It's, it, it's pacey. Mm. Look, and its simplicity is startling to me. For all its complexity, its simplicity is something that I've been really... It's an really, incredibly complex story with yeah. a lot going on, yeah. but you're right. But, it but reads at its core, in a very straightforward Yeah, at right? its As core, in, it's so straightforward. And when you think of how hard it is to construct like a science fiction story like that, it's it's amazing. And I should also say that you know all that stuff about environmentalism and, and the Cold War mm. and all that that's in there... It's stuff that I've seen going back and rereading it as an adult. Mm. When I read it the first time as a kid, it was just one of the best adventure coming of age mm. stories I'd ever it seen. It doesn't yeah. beat its politics over your head. That's not no. the purpose of it. That's right. So, yeah. It's there, but it's not being Which has been my argument here. for uh, cinema for a long time, which is deliver a message in your film, that's fine, but don't forget to entertain first. That's yeah. right. You don't make a film to tell a message. You te- make a film to entertain. If you get weave your message into it, you'll get your message across. Definitely. So please, uh, it's the 50th anniversary. There is an amazing edition of this being put out by the Folio Society. That's about 150 bucks. It's uh, it's they've got all new illustrations for it. It's uh, leather bound. It looks amazing. And, and I if am, you don't have that kind of money, it's available on iBooks. I've, <laughs> I'm going to save up that kind of money because I want this yeah. thing so bad. I haven't I haven't rewatched the film in a very very long time, but um, I will for next week. And we'll, what's we'll talk interesting? About it it, then. What's interesting um, as well, Dave, if you get a chance, is to also look at the Sci-Fi Channel's miniseries because the miniseries is actually much more accurate to the book it's just its production values are very low so sure. it, look, I, I, it looks like a stage play I didn't know? I didn't mind it yeah it does it looks a lot like a stage play yeah. and it's very heavily influenced by Star Wars Episode 1 yes because um, it came out a year or two later uh, but it is it is a surprisingly watchable adaptation yes of it's not bad we're still waiting for that one we're still waiting m- for the real movie. mother of all Lord of the Rings style treatment yeah. of Dune and, and just, it needs it yeah, oh, and deliver it to us um, Based waiting. on what I've read so far, it seems like the Lynch film wasn't that far off. The Lynch like, film, like no, another r- the rewrite with the or something, film was or? that Lynch. Like it seems very, very close to the material in an odd way. Lynch like, focused um, on. There are sections that just are glossed over. Well, I was about to say, production design wise, memory. it looks fantastic. Lynch focused on the far out nature of it rather than concentrating on the core story. Mm. And because of that, the film is just out there in its in its approach and it actually starts off better than it finishes also the lynch film the last uh i would say easily the last 15 minutes of that film is actually june messiah oh really yeah. it's not june so yeah, he actually right, okay. he wove parts of june messiah into his film that's interesting um which is and if you watch the sci-fi miniseries version the second one came out, which is Children of Dune, which actually wove Doom Messiah into Children of Dune. So it actually combines the two together to tell one story. So it's kind of weird that they do that. I think it's because Doom Messiah is actually quite a small book. Yeah, I was going to say, I sort of don't have a problem with that for the, the second and third book because they <coughs> yeah. they do flow on. Yeah, but, but, but bottom line, the original Dune, 50 years old this year, congratulations to it. And please do yourself a favor, go read it if you haven't. If you have, go read it again. It's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to have to start moving, hustling this on a little bit. So let's, let's, I want to talk about this very quickly. Uh, we won't go into great details because things have changed since this article came out. So this, okay, ar- this so article came out and it's all about the NBN. The quick version Australia is supposedly getting a national broadband network, which will bring us in line with the rest of the world in terms of internet speeds, or at least make us less 
fourth world country about it. And <laughs> let, let, let's take that one step back further and say when the, the Labour <laughs> Party when the Labour Party first introduced the idea of the MBN, the idea was to remove the aging copper network that we have in our country, which has been in there for a hundred years, which is all our phone lines and everything else, mm-hmm. and replace it all with fiber optic to the house. The idea was to create a next generation fiber optic uh, uh, network that would give us massive internet speeds, carry all of our telecommunication needs, and put us as a world player. When the coalition government, which was Tony Abbott at the time, took power, one of their campaigns was that the MBN was too expensive, even though it was one of the massive infrastructure changes to this country, and the coalition saw themselves as the infrastructure government. Anyway, go figure. Um, They decided that they were going to change the MBN, still give us a national broadband network, but they were going to call it fiber to the node. And the fiber would actually go to all the nodes in within networks, and then they would use the existing copper networks to take it to the house. Which would do very little for the average person. Which would do very little for the average person, and the basic basic line of it was it was going to cost I think at the time, something in the realms of $35 billion cheaper, and they were going to be able to roll it out faster. And the idea was it would all be, everybody would be wired by 2016. And what was great about that was uh, the communications minister at the time, Mr. Malcolm Turnbull, standing in the background of all the photos, face palming. Yeah, basically going, do I really have to say these things and make it look like I'm I'm actually, even that picture, look at him, he's like, "Do I? I don't believe this. All right, so... Uh, why this is all changed is because, of course, now Malcolm Turnbull is our prime minister and we might see a reversal on this, especially after these facts have started to come out, which is, according to this article, and the link will be in our show notes, so you can go there for all the details, but the, the long and the short of it is that uh, studies have now looked at fiber, fiber to the node and they have now discovered that by the time it is finally rolled out, it is actually going to cost somewhere in the realms of 20 to $30 billion more than the original uh, estimated fiber to the premises network and, and be obsolete and be obsolete uh the top speed will only be 50 megabits per second and that uh it won't be finished rolling out until 2020 uh which is actually longer than the fiber to the premises now why this is fascinating is because everything that they had promised us about the cheaper faster network blah 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 is wrong and basically everything that the the original NBN was going to do, and this is taking into account the fact that they delayed the entire project by a year because they didn't account for asbestos in premises, so they had to they delayed it by a year while they figured that out. Mm. Um, uh, and even with all of those delays, it would still be faster to roll out fiber to the pre- fiber to the premises rather than this particular plan. This is a joke, and they've actually now calculated that by 2020, when this is finally rolled out, if they continue with this, we will be less than 100th in the world in internet speeds. Uh, we will be less than most of the third world countries out there. It is a joke. So, Mr. Turnbull, you are now Prime Minister. Let's see what you can do. Uh, you are technologically aware, and you know that this isn't going to be what it needs to be. It is time to go back to the fiber to the mm. premises. Mm, absolutely. It really is. Um, anyway, we'll wait and see. Now we might actually see movement on this. All right, boys, <coughs> hands up if you have bought something online in the last month. Yep. Not in the last month. No, Not in the last Star Wars month. toys. All right, there, there, there are two hands up in this room. Um, because Australia is about to start- I bought a lot from overseas, though. The Austra- Australia is about to start charging GST on all online uh, yeah, purchases. We heard about this, um, which is Netflix as well, right? Well, it's it was originally called the Netflix tax. Yeah. Uh, the idea was that all the services and goods that you get over the internet, if they come to Australia, should be taxed. Um, which sucks. 
sucks really hard. You know what? It does <laughs> suck, but it actually makes sense. Um, it is a service or a goods that you are buying within this country. It makes more sense than the, re- the way the rest of the GST is applied, where things like tampons are charged. Well, exactly. <laughs> Look, and as much as I think this sucks and I don't want it to happen, it does make sense in yeah. a strange kind of way. Especially services. Netflix is a service that is being sold in mm-hmm. Australia. Therefore, it should have a GST component on it. Absolutely. Um, I don't agree, though. I must say I don't agree with GST being leveled on products we buy overseas and have shipped over because they're actually being sold in a different country. That's right. So therefore, it is not our tax that applies. It's yeah. their tax. Now, where the problem lies is that most of these online services aren't charging us tax because it's an online purchase and it's leaving the country. So therefore, we're getting away tax-free. So at the moment, I guess they're just trying to level that out. But I don't know. It's one of the things where I look at it and go, yeah, you're right. I think it is the geek tax because most people who buy this sort of stuff overseas are geeks. Absolutely. And I think we are being punished for it. But yeah, in another way, I can kind of understand it. it just I can sort it of just hurts double, I suppose, with our dollar not being great. Well, yeah. and that's the part that hurts the most. If they just added the We're already the tax, paying so much for the at shipping. The moment, I, at the one point, item. I think our dollar dipped to almost 60 cents. Mm. It what didn't last long. It's back up to 70 now. But the, the, the dollar exchange rate is terrible mm. at the moment. Yeah, look, it was all announced by Joe Hockey, who is, you know, currently bright red and has steam coming out of his ears. And but- the point is he's <laughs> no longer the minister, so... <laughs> but, yeah, look, it, it is going to happen and it is disappointing for us Australian geeks. On the bright side, it means that, uh, well, at least for sponsors of this network, it's, it's a good thing because it means that more people will be going to bricks and mortar stores. Yay! Um, yay! <laughs> Well, you can also pay GST. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If you're going to pay right. GST one place, you might as well play it everywhere. All right. Can I just ask very quickly, what the fuck happened to Jennifer Lian? I mean, this is for those who don't know, Dave, you're watching Voyager at the moment. This was yes. Kez in the first three seasons of yeah. Star Trek Voyager. Pretty girl. You know, I just finished season three the day I heard this news. Bit of so a sex funny. symbol and so yeah. forth. She was arrested this week for indecent uh, indecent uh, exposure. Now, she, that sounds like a good thing when you've just labeled her a sex symbol. But <laughs> have a look at the article link we have in our show notes. She looks like a Mack truck now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to her. Um, I mean, I'm not even talking about the, the truck driver. I'm talking about she looks like the truck. <laughs> She's just this, she looks like something out of Orange is the New Black. You know, yeah. I don't know... I, well, it's a mugshot too, which doesn't help. But apparently, she flashed children on the street, um, and then when the police were called, they arrived at her house, and the door was open, and she was naked on the couch, wrapped in a blanket, saying, "I was expecting you," and then resisted arrest. So, wow, she has lost it, man. And this is not apparently not the first. Uh, charge that's been against her apparently this all happened in tennessee but apparently she's got other charges against her as well so what what are you giggling I about? just in my head it's like an opening of a voyager episode that's <laughs> <laughs> like that's the moment it's where like she's naked on the on the couch in the blanket and then it says like um you know what are you doing it's like i've been expecting you and then you cut to the credits. You know. <laughs> now, can I ask you this? For those, who, for those who have seen Voyager, little gentle Kez, yeah? <laughs> Listen to this last line in this. She's var- only been alive for a few years. Listen to this last article in this variety article. It says, this isn't Leanne's first run-in with the law. In April, yeah. she was arrested and charged with evading arrest, resisting arrest, reckless endangerment, and <laughs> aggravated assault. <laughs> wow. And you look and go, that's not the girl I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so we'll move on, but I just thought, wow, that was just... What does Arm Neelix think, though? (laughs) (laughs) You know I saw Neelix in season four of Veep? 
He was, yeah, yeah. He was a character in the final episode. He shows up. I was actually yeah. I was watching uh, Castle the other day, and Robert Picardo was yeah, there you, you go. Know, just showed up. Yeah, yeah. Here's a little They're piece, everywhere, little piece of trivia for you: any Joe Dante produced or directed thing that you see, Robert Picardo will be there. Yeah, right. Yeah, Robert Picardo's in everything he does. The best friends or something. Mm. Yeah, they've just worked together forever. Oh, Robert yeah. Picardo, if you've seen The Howling, you know the you know mm-hmm. Eddie the werewolf who goes, "Let me give you a piece of my mind." That's Robert oh, Picardo. Really? Yeah. yeah, right. So he's been yeah, around. Right. He's been with Joe Dante since the beginning, dude. Um, all right. He's the best part of Voyager. Rob Ricardo. He's yes. Joe Dante. He's Bruce Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Him and the other guy, awesome. um, remember the snowplow driver in Gremlins? Um, uh, Dick yeah, Miller. Yeah, yeah. Dick Miller is in everything that Joe Dante does as well. Yeah. So anyway, let's now do the right theme because it's time for film. Now I gotta tell you, if we are, if we're actually, if we're actually, you know, worried about time, I don't think Pixels is going to take long to review. No, no, I wasn't so, worried about time. I was just saying with the news article that Jamie's got, that's that's um, been updated today. Oh, what tell us about it. Oh. Uh, do you want to just uh, just say this headline? I guess Jamie. Yeah. It's so like, the um, the headline is well, um, Star Wars Episode Eight is filming at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, heard- only for a week, I believe. And yeah, no, it's only it's- just started filming. Yeah. For weather- no, it's only for a week, um, and then they're off again until oh, next really? year. Yeah, it's only just because the weather in the location they're filming at will be really bad right. when they're doing the main unit or something. So uh, the headline of this article is Benicio del Toro. Uh, I met that guy. He confirmed that, <laughs> that, he, that he's got a villain yeah. role in uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. Mm-hmm. And what's your update? I, 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 when I met him, I was doing a roundtable for um, that uh, Oliver Stone movie he was in. I can't remember what it was called. Savages. I just wanted to say that there was actually another journalist there who will not go named who actually asked Benicio Del Toro in the interview if he would open a restaurant with him in Australia called Benicio's Del Tacos. Oh, my <laughs> God. And it was perhaps like the most uncomfortable. embarrassing, uncomfortable moment I've ever witnessed in my That's, life. That's, yeah. Where his response was, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> when? <laughs> Crazy. But anyway, yeah, the update today apparently is that he's going to be one of the heroes, not the villain. That's, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. that's an interesting turn. And one of the other heroes that we know is coming back in Star Wars Episode Eight. Sorry, we've we've just said it like three times without saying it properly. Star Wars. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the, yeah. if, the, if the rumor you told me today is true, then ah, uh, oh, man. That's exciting shit. So the rumor that we heard today, we, we should, should preface this with huge spoilers. Even myself, I probably didn't want to know. Yeah. So this is, remember, now this that is I do, I'm, spoilers oh, for a film true. we have not seen, and it's all speculation. This is, but if you don't, uh, this if, is an enormous. If one. you don't want to uh, know any spoilers about Star Wars, I would say we should just not say no, it. No, no, really, I'm going to say it. But all I'm going to say yeah. is, for the next twelve seconds, cover your ears and go blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> okay. So uh, basically, uh, starting. Now, the rumor we heard today, and we don't know if this is true or not, but apparently Max von Sydow, who is in the film, we know, but they've never announced who he was going to play, is they're now saying he may be playing an elderly Boba Fett. Yeah. That's episode is, seven. Episode seven, which is fascinating. And then the news about episode eight is that Mark Hamill is going is to be- returning. Ah, in yeah. The, yeah. In, so, uh, and that was confirmed. So yeah. that one was confirmed. So Mark Hamill is going to be back. So we know he doesn't die in episode seven. How hectic is this news though? That we're I'm totally- already, We're already on Star Wars eight news. I want I want a shirt that says Team Luke. Like I, if he doesn't make it through to all, all nine movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. It's impossible. <laughs> all right, no! moving on. All right. 
right. What else we got here? So, <laughs> Doctor Who news. Oh, and this actually reminds me, we've got a bunch of uh, little comments on Facebook. Actually, we, we should bring too. those up right now because part of this is actually to do with this. All um, right. So, on Facebook, uh, yesterday I said that we're coming up on recording a show and what did people want to hear us talk about? Let's quickly run through. So, Matthew White... How you going, Matt? Hey, Maddie. Uh, Snake Oz. Asked us why the ABC is stuffing over Doctor Who fans by not playing it as it <laughs> airs around the world like they did last year. Instead, we have to wait 12 hours after everyone else to see it on Sunday night instead of somewhere between 4 and 6 a.m. Sunday morning like last year. Now, 12 whole hours. I've got to say, look, <laughs> when, when we read this, there were two responses <laughs> when, when Dave and I were talking about this mine was you freaking whingers <laughs> I lived in the days where we had to wait three years <laughs> to see the to see the current doctor that people were talking about overseas you know I didn't see Sylvester McCoy till 1989 when he was finished <laughs> so yeah and my response and my, and my response which I actually answered him on Facebook by saying is I have no idea why this is true but it's possible it could be to do with budget cuts because there have remember, been some the ABC lost a lot of money mm. and they may just not have the privilege to stream it live. Mm. But as Jamie pointed out, if you really want to see it live, grab a copy of iView. Apparently, yeah, ABC iView, it, it, it is kind of releasing at the same time. So on iView, it will be live. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is um, look, I, I totally understand 100%. I love Doctor Who. I love Capaldi as Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I totally understand the desire I'm to see that. I'm still not sold on The Capaldi. second that it can be seen. Yeah. I'm still not sold on Matt Smith and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny, it's funny. Capaldi, I love Capaldi. I'm still not quite sold on his Doctor. I like his Doctor. I think there's, I think there's issues going on in Doctor Who with the writing. Uh, I think. We, I mean, Doctor Who is a very deep conversation. Yeah. If you want to have that, no, we're not going to get into it right now. But uh, but yeah, I think I think Doctor Who in general needs a little bit of a kick in the butt. But I think Capaldi himself, as an actor and in that role, I love him. He's got flair. He's got style. He's fun. John D, how you going, John? Friend, Hi John. Of, uh, friend, not Where's just, Nerd Corner. Not JD. Just friend of that JD. <laughs> JD. Yep, host of Nerd Corner. Once acknowledged, that was my um, bro call out, once acknowledged out to you, John. <laughs> <laughs> once acknowledged that DS9 Season 4 is one of the most perfect seasons of TV ever produced, we here at the network acknowledge that. Yes. <laughs> we, 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 we will acknowledge it further next week. And we will talk about yeah. it next week's show. We're bringing back Star Trek. Because uh, I got to go to work. We took, we took, <laughs> took a couple weeks off Star Trek, but we're coming yeah. back to that. It never really went away. We just, uh, you know, we've been busy with some other things. Yeah. And Derek Winterberg, uh, do you foresee the comic superhero geek trend burning out anytime soon? We have movies on the slate to carry us to up to 2020. TV shows continue to add lesser known characters to their canon. Can it be sustained for that long? I'm positive on it, but what's your take? My take is, well, we talked about Steven Spielberg last week mm -hmm. uh, and we, we went over the fact that Genres go in cycles. Yeah, and this, yeah. Has been, this has been a long. I was run. disappointed I couldn't be there for that conversation. Yeah. Actually, it's, yeah. it's a, look, it's been a long run on this one, but I think the cycle isn't over yet. The bottom line mm. is this: cycles will continue until they don't make money. Yeah. Once they have several in a row that don't make money, mm. it's over. And the other thing is, I think for a long time Hollywood was held back from making successful superhero things because of the special effects. Yes, uh, and now mm. that they have developed to a point where they can. I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon because superhero comics and stories have been happening, mm. well, I mean, you know, in in their modern form since the 1930s. Yeah. But realistically, 
characters who are heroic and and doing amazing things, you know, and look, love stretch or hate back the, to the 17th century, yeah. and I don't see that going anywhere. And love or soon. hate the movies, whether they are perfect or not perfect, or you have high expectations mm. and they're not quite living up to your expectations, they're all still fun. Yeah. And the thing is, you go there because there are a bunch of escapism about heroes and yep. villains mm. and so forth, and people like that, and that's why they're still making yeah. a lot of money. At this point in time, I until, as I say, until you have two or three flops in a row that are all mm. from different studios and the studios basically go, that moment's over yeah. yep. and they push it away, which is what's happened in the past. I think you know? um, Tarantino had a really good observation about this a couple of weeks ago in this article that there was an interview of him about Hateful Eight and he was asked about like the longevity of the Western, like what happened with the Western mm. and why are you one of the few filmmakers making Westerns today? And he said that the Western came down to like during the peak of their popularity, they were about like the frontier and all that stuff. And like they, they gave people like Patriot pride and things like that. And what led to their collapse in popularity was the native American uh, and the, how they were being treated in America. And it became distasteful to go and enjoy a Western because the public cottoned on to what they were Cowboys really. Indians. Yeah. yeah, exactly what they really were watching. And, um, and, Tarantino's response to superheroes was that superheroes is the most popular thing since the Western in terms of how many people flock to them and love them. But superheroes doesn't have what the Western did, which was a negative undercurrent. Yeah. And so the longevity of superheroes could be something that just continues on forever. Um, and yeah, like because Look, it, and it, it, make, it, it makes people feel good. It makes <coughs> it has hope to it. it, it yeah. They're fighting bad guys. And it, it may, and it may come down and, to one a year. It may come down to a couple mm. a year. It may slow down a little mm. bit. But, but it doesn't think, have a phantom menace, no. if you will. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think they're going away. Yeah. No, neither do I. Not anytime yeah. soon. And uh, look, if you listen to Kevin Smith's Hollywood Babylon, he was actually talking about this as well, that now that Marvel is divorced from Marvel film, uh, there's no reason that Marvel film can't start having a budget that includes, hey, Tarantino, direct a superhero film yeah. for us. Yeah, and Tarantino was asked about that, would you ever want to direct a superhero movie in this same interview? And he said that he he wouldn't put it out of the question, but he wishes that they were making superhero movies in the 80s because people forget that, the 80s was a cesspool of, <laughs> of movies and that every week there would hardly be anything good to watch. And he says that people today need to like remember how cool superhero movies actually Man, are I would love- and what they're getting because every week, every month, they're getting a really, really good blockbuster movie. That, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whereas back then there wasn't a lot of, Great blockbuster movies at all. Yeah. I would love it was to see filled like, with um, dramas and stuff like that. But. I'd love to see like Tarantino Superman, where he just like yeah. burns a hole in a planet. And goes yeah. fuck you, yeah. Mars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know it'd be brilliant. Yeah. And I still want to see Sideways too. Come on, Alexander Payne. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, that's happening on our Facebook. Uh, join that conversation. Join all of our conversations by finding us on Facebook. Search Geek, actually. You'll, you'll get us. Absolutely. And but back, the news, to Capaldi. back to the news. Uh, Peter Capaldi has come out saying he really wants, and he's campaigning for, David Bowie to make a guest appearance on Doctor Who. Uh, look, <laughs> I think it would be fantastic. Bowie is such a... He's such a wonderful ground control to major. <laughs> As a look, he's a great performer, but if you look at his film roles uh, in history, he's he is he fits Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a bit wacky. He's a bit off the wall. He can even he can even play Earth, dude. He yeah. can even play Tesla again. Yeah, because <laughs> they could do a Doctor Who where they go Tesla. Absolutely, Tesla modifies the TARDIS. <laughs> It'd be awesome. But uh, yeah, look, it's just a fluff. <laughs> There's Capaldi. I play the guitar. <laughs> it's a bit of a fluff piece. It, it's, Oscar uh, winner, Peter Capaldi. You know, it's, it's true. It, it's mm. nothing big, but it is 
the actor who who plays Doctor Who, uh, who usually has a bit of clout with these sorts of things, saying, "Hey, Bowie, you know, we're looking for you." I think Bowie approached him and said, "Yeah, look, I'll be willing to do this." They'd write him in. Absolutely, absolutely, they would. All right, next, next, is that it? I think is that all we've got? Well, actually, oh no, we've got a trailer, dude. Let's do this trailer real we quick. We do. So this trailer dropped yesterday, and we've managed to convince Dave to watch this trailer yeah. with us. Well, I've, I've only read the story and seen the cartoon, so yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so we thought we'd have a look at this because this is Favreau's new film, and we used to like playing trailers on the show, but Dave doesn't like to watch trailer, but he is going to watch this one. Mm. This is Favreau's remake of the Jungle Book live action. So let's have a look at this. I haven't seen this yeah, either. So. Right. Now, yeah, before we watch this, what's what? I, what I just want to put out there. Is Bill Murray is playing Baloo? Oh yeah! All right, <laughs> hit it. This is all CG. Hey, there's no, there's un- the only live element is the kid. I've heard. Okay. Are you alone out here? What are you doing so deep in the jungle? Don't you know what you are? I know what you are. I know where you came from. Poor, sweet little cub. I'll keep you close. Let go of your fear now. I am so fucking in. <laughs> I just, that cast, like Bill Murray, Ben Kingsley, Idris Elba, Scarlett Johansson. I like how you skipped that name. <laughs> Lu- Lupita Nyong'o, I'm sure, yeah. is excellent, but not a name that I'm amazed by. And nah, Chris- Star Wars. And Christopher Sorry, Walken. I said that differently, but he, she's in Star Wars. Oh, is she? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Episode seven. She's a CG character in that too. <laughs> so you're saying she's not in it yet? But she's in, she's in, she's in the best movie of the year. But already. yeah, I am so in. I love the Jungle Book. Yeah, as a, as a kid, the cartoon was great. The, visual, the visuals too. are amazing. The visuals on that trailer. There's a link in the show notes. Please go and watch the go trailer. Go watch this trailer. The music was great. We were getting mesmerized by it, and it makes for great radio. I know. But wow, go watch that trailer. That is that is really stunning looking. And and. Wow, Scarlett Johansson's just nailing the snake. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about, like, I mean, Scarlett Johansson, I don't think gets enough credit as an actress, but she's got range. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, like that. Yeah, she's played a mobile phone. <laughs> uh, she, <laughs> she was a girl in a painting once. <laughs> All right. Oh, dear God. All right, let's review a film. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to have to skip your question, We'll skip Jamie. that for next week. Okay. We're, we're an hour and a half into the show. i got to go to work, guys. I'm yes. ready. <laughs> All right. We're going we're gonna to skip your question. We'll come Save back to that. Save it for next week. Here we go. We're gonna right, well, actually, what we're going to do, do, <laughs> do is we're going to actually throw the question out right now. We're going to let people think about it. 
and they can put their oh, responses nice on idea. Facebook, okay? So the question, okay. Jamie's wanky academic question of the week. <laughs> this this has sort of become a bit of a tradition that, that, you know, halfway through the show, I will ask some strange question about film production and we will get sidetracked for <laughs> yeah, 20 for, minutes. For awesome times. So, so I decided to actually plan one this time. So my wanky academic, academic question of the week is, who is the target audience for film? When we actually look at a film, how does our difference from the intended audience affect what we see. Um, mm. And, you know, like we obviously, when we're reviewing and critiquing film, our standard is would we recommend our friends go and see it? Yeah. Um, you know, and does the studio make it thinking about me and my friends mm. or do they think about it, you know, for some other audience? Good question. And so you can put your responses mm. on our Facebook page and we will actually read those out amongst uh, us talking about our responses to that question. We'll have a week to mull that over as well. Send we'll us come- a voicemail. Or a voicemail. You can do that as well, but I can't remember what the number is off the top of my head. But if you go to our website and go to the Contact Us page, it's all been updated recently, so you can find it there. Yeah, uh, it's, got a, it's got a four in it, I think. That, that narrows it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Final incredibly brief uh, bit of film news. Trailer dropped for Jessica Jones on Netflix. Absolutely. It's a very short trailer. It doesn't actually say very much. Well, but there's, no, there's no dialogue at all, I don't think. It's yeah, just that's music. right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. Go have a look. It connects to it connects to Daredevil and, and the rest of the Marvel Universe. The of Marvel and I'm universe. really keen on this. this is one and it's one of books. Dave's favorite. Yeah, one yeah. of Dave's favorite graphic novels originally. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. I'm really keen on that. So yeah, go have a look at that trailer as well. That's up there. You can find that. We'll put the links in so you can actually find that as well. Uh, but we are going to talk a little bit about the film of the week. And this Let's is, do this. Let me tell you, this is not going to take very long. I don't think so. Our film this week is Pixels, directed by Chris Columbus and written by t- uh, Tim Her- Hurley. I always get his name wrong. Tim Hurley and Timothy Dowling based on the short film by Patrick Dean. It stars Adam Sandler, Kevin James, oh God, Michelle Monaghan, Peter Dinklage, Josh Gad, and Brian Cox and Sean Bean. Ah, according to IMDb, it says, when aliens misinterpret video feeds of classic arcade games as a declaration of war, they attack the Earth in the form of of the video games. <laughs> that is the sound of Dave hitting the microphone with his, his head. Forehead. Here's the trailer Here and then we'll come back. The trailer. video games to attack us. Pac-Man's a bad guy? Incoming! Donkey Kong. It's just a barrel! How bad can it hurt? The only way to take down Pac-Man is with ghosts. You want ghosts? These are your ghosts. Oh, yeah! 
I'm kidding. We are all gonna die. I'm just sorry. May I introduce to you Professor Iwatani, the creator of Pac-Man. Pac-Man is not bad. You'll see. Professor Iwatani, what are you doing? I will talk to him. He's my son. Hello, my sweet little boy. Look how big you've grown. That's so sweet. He's so sweet. I know. You're a good boy. <laughs> ah! Somebody annihilate this stupid thing! Uh... <laughs> Who really wants to go first? <laughs> After you. Actually, I'm going to say, Dave Longo, you are the resident Adam Sandler fan in this room. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what no. did you think of his latest opus? I love Adam Sandler. Like, honestly, I have my whole life. Um, I'll go watch anything with Adam Sandler in it. Um, because even though he's really bad most of the time, they transcend bad you know um like jack and jill for me is like one of the, the like the most important pieces of film ever made i know that sounds ridiculous but you've you've got to experience adam sandler's jack and jill for, no i really don't no no, 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 no i really there, there's, don't there's not that much not, not that many movies you can say you need to experience people to must be listening to this podcast in this there's long a, side yeah, there's, a, there's an awe inspiring element to jack and jill that they they went ahead and made that <laughs> they 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 attempted that and like you know some props go to attempting that. You know, right, let's, let's 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 like, bring this back to pixels though. Yeah, okay. So to bring it back to pixels, I building up to that that's the statement. I like Jack and Jill. I'll cop to that, okay, right? For whatever reason. But this is worse. Um <laughs> this is lower than the standard set by Jack and Jill. And for someone who likes Adam Sandler to say that this is a bad Adam Sandler movie amongst a sea of every year people shitting on every movie Adam Sandler makes and every move he makes, I think it says a lot about Pixels <laughs> and how bad Pixels actually is. Pixels is hateful, is absolutely hateful on so many single levels, like that you have Peter Dinklage just transcending bad, like absolutely just embarrassing performance from Peter Dinklage, where it's to the point where you, you even begin to think he might be doing it on purpose just to tank the film. Right. Like, um, but I think where this really cops a lot of the hate is like, uh, Michelle Monaghan and the trophy wife at the end. I don't know. Like, this is a movie that presents like the prize for men is women. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, not only that, but there's also a complete, I don't know. It just rampages on all these cool games that you like and you love. And there's, uh, it's the peak of. Why do I have to go first on this shit? Like seriously, like the, <laughs> I'm gonna say, the, I'm gonna uh, say this I'm, movie is the, the the height of cynicism that it, that you will ever see. It's like it, it was made on a concept. Everybody came in there and just were like, they'll go no matter what we do. Adam Sandler sleepwalks through the thing, like absolutely just looks dead inside for the majority of the movie. He actually tanks it. He tanks his own tankable movie 
It's phenomenal. It's like he it's like he has this look in his eyes of like, what am I doing here? One, for Adam Sandler to have the look in his eyes of what am I doing here? Like to not even care about pixels. Whereas in Jack and Jill, he not only plays his sister, but goes for it. It's like, what world are we living in? Like shit. Kevin James is magnificent in this movie by sheer virtue of he does nothing. <laughs> like, like, like nothing. Kevin James is just the president of the United States in this. That's the joke. Yeah. There's, there's, there's not even a, a moment of comedy. He just is the president, a perfectly like divisive president that runs the White House. That's just what he does. Yeah. And you just get scenes where he addresses the nation. I think I joked to you, I wanted that address of the nation scene <laughs> to be my desktop wallpaper. You know, <laughs> just have like, Kevin James yeah, the president yeah. all in one shot. Yeah, you know, like, um, oh, it's so lazy. It's so, it's so lazy. But I don't know. I hate this movie with, with an absolute passion. Wow. Okay. Like, wow. Like, all right, Jamie, like, <laughs> take it over. Oh no, we'll do this alphabetically. Oh. <laughs> all right. Look, I'm gonna. I'm going to say that this was, for me, this film committed. Uh, to, let me start by saying I didn't want to see this film. Yes. Right? I dragged you to. This I film. saw this trailer, and now that you've seen the trailer, because mm. I don't think you'd seen the trailer. Now I avoided the trailer. Now you've yeah. seen the trailer. You can see why I didn't want to see this film. Right. All right, I saw the film, and I said, if I'm going to see the film, I'll go with an open mind and everything else. It's, I went with an open mind. I went it, with the most yeah, open mind. It's directed by Chris Columbus, who, on the most part, I quite like. You know, Adam Sandler ranges on the Sandler scale of wedding singer to little Nicky, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And you can sit there and go, it could be okay fun, yeah. you know. The original short that it's based on by Patrick Dean is genius. It's on YouTube. Go search for it and have a look for it. It's really clever. There's no people in it. It's just the video games mm. attacking a city, and it's very clever. I found that this film committed the one sin that any film can ever commit, and that is that it wasn't terrible. It was completely and utterly mediocre mm. and that was the problem with it if it had been terrible i could have at least got some yeah pleasure out it, of it would have been like jack you know? and jill it would have, it would have been amazing yeah and i love yeah. a good bad film you know I, what this I, has what, like really good effects what i really dislike like, is completely mediocre completely yeah. mediocre is just like huh who cares you're right adam sandler sleepwalks through this film mm. uh peter dinklage has the he doesn't straight- just sleepwalk I w- we have to be clear he looks like he does not want to be there he's in a coma he yeah. really is. Uh, Michelle Monaghan and his relationship is uncomfortable. Peter Dinklage is doing the weirdest accent I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and go, I don't even know why you're in this movie to start <laughs> with. The only thing I can think about Peter Dinklage is he works so hard five months of the year during Game of Thrones, he must literally say to his agent, I will take anything. Yeah. Give me anything else. But it's because- almost like you you being a Game of Thrones fanatic myself, like I can't I could hardly look at him for this movie. No. Every time he was there, I just had to look to the ground. Josh like, Gad oh. is an actor that I take or leave in the sense of depending on what he's doing. I mm. quite I thought he was actually okay as Wozniak, but he did a TV series once where he played the president's son, which was unwatchable. Mm. Um, I find him incredibly painful at times when he when he is and in this film he is in one of those cases. I think I Kevin James. James does not make me laugh at all. And the idea of him being the president, you just didn't go, oh, great. So no other actor was actually available. Remember we were sitting there moment. and we were going, let's count the fat jokes. Yeah. And there, there was none. There was only one where he ate the cake. Where he ate the cake. And that was it. Was now, like, oh, on the plus side, so we go to every movie trying to find something of value in it. The effects work is really well done. Yeah. There's no right. doubt about that. Surprisingly well done. It's actually well shot on the most part. You know, it's like you look at it and go, they've, 
the filmmakers were trying to make something. But the problem is it's based on a script by Sandler cohorts and that's a Sandler production. So it's got, I mean, Sandler, it does his usual mumbling, trying to make all these aside jokes because he has no energy. None of them, none of them yeah. hit. It's just like, they're just kind of this wave of him just talking. But, like, I haven't read the script, so I'll just make up lots of yeah. lines. You the, know? Se- the secret to this movie would, would have been just to do no story. Yeah. Like, cause like a video game, like that they're, that they're taking off, like a, mo- a video game from the eighties. Mm. Does not have a great story, yeah. you know. If they had just taken that, it would have been it would have been more suited to the movie. Um, there wouldn't have been any of this convoluted nonsense that I'm sure Jamie might talk about when because you took your kid to it. Like, like, and I'm actually really it curious to hear all the over. Perspective. You know, that like it went into like divorce stuff. It went into like all these kind of horrible things like that. Like, no kid kind of really wants to have put into them, I guess, when they're that young. Um, and then, ah. Ah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, I got so much hatred for this movie that if Adam Sandler had just played his usual man-child character, it would have been awesome. It would have really worked. If he'd been the whole time like, I'm so good at killing the aliens. You know, like if that no, had been the character. No, I would have walked out of here. Oh, it would have been phenomenal. It would be like, Donkey right. Kong, dude, you need right, to right, right. <laughs> Time out. Jamie, I'm interested in hearing what you thought of it, but I'm also interested in hearing what your child thought of it. I really liked it. <laughs> I'm a big Adam Sandler fan, and um, and I had absolutely no issues with this film at all. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought that it was popcorn and date night, and you know, like it's just a light piece of fare. And frankly, <laughs> if you were going to analyze it past the concept of aliens misinterpreted our message and decided to send video games to Earth to attack us, not even attack us, to have challenges with us. <laughs> Threatening to destroy so the earth. Boring and unfunny. But no, no, I laughed. <laughs> I had fun with it. I, I actually really just, I didn't have any expectations, and I just went in and I enjoyed it. Kevin James as the president of the United States is hilarious, just by dint of being Kevin James That's, as yeah. the president <laughs> of the United States. It's so wrong. Um, you know, Sandler. Yeah, I agree. He wasn't. He wasn't <laughs> trying with his film. <laughs> yeah. but yeah. he wasn't miscast either you know no. like like he was he was a dude who had been the video game champion of or almost the video game champion of the world in his youth and done nothing with his life and yeah. that's a perfect adam sandler character it's yeah. <laughs> i mean that, that goes back to happy gilmore um it i honestly i just had a fun with this film i didn't I didn't w- expect anything big out of this film. Mm. I knew it was going to be kind of dumb. I'd seen the trailer and yeah, you know, I had a bit of a chuckle at the Pac-Man bit. Yeah. And it it was just fun for me. It I was think, just to sit there and eat some popcorn and watch a movie. Film. I think I laughed my ass off in it. Like, didn't I, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> remember the bit where Michelle Monaghan cartwheels? <laughs> I, I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the- <laughs> And like doing it. This is the yeah. It was so bad to me, man. I can't agree. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. You don't have to agree. No, and that's the thing. But, film is subjective, dude. Yeah. But yeah, look, I just, I just went in there and had a blast. So to me, it just felt like let's just name drop some classic things that you've heard the name of, and we'll we'll make all the money. Oh. I, like it barely felt like they wrote it. It was just like, <laughs> like the, the, some lines, like the 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 effort in this movie, like the jokes are the level of like. Hey, what's wrong, smelly face? You got like spaghetti on your for hair. <laughs> like, did they even think it was a joke? Like, 
like the only way that I can hope that it is if it has that Jack and Jill feel of like we're only making this movie to troll you. <laughs> like like Jack and Jill is so important for cinema because it, it, it is like the first time a movie's been made with the absolute intention to take your money. <laughs> take like it. you know we're, for we're, sure. Yeah, yeah. There was like a 20 minute stretch in Jack and Jill where it's just promoting a, a, a cruise line. Look, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, you know like <laughs> <laughs> Al Pacino I, I owns really a like, castle. I really like Adam movie. Sandler. Like you know yeah. like So why I love 50 Adam first, Sandler. He wasn't Adam Sandler in this. 50 First Dates probably in my top 20 movies. Yeah, like I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, really? No, I should watch that. It's yeah. it's probably the best movie yeah. he's I, ever I enjoyed Grown Ups 2 for fuck's sake, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I can swear here. So couldn't stand, yeah, yeah. couldn't stand Punch Drunk Love, which is the one film he actually uh, gets some accolade for. <laughs> but oh, I loved that movie. But I liked Fifty First Dates. But I also, I mean, I also liked uh, The Wedding Singer. I also liked Click. I mean, there, there's a lot of Adam Sandler that I do like. Mm. You there know? is. I'm not by any means saying that this is the best film Adam Sandler's ever made, but it's nowhere near the panning that it's been getting. I honestly think this was. This was no, and as I said, quite no, I, entertaining, I, fun, light. And that's why I wanted to stress at the beginning is film. I didn't hate the film. I just thought it was the most mm. mediocre thing I've seen in a no, long I, time. I, I think that was Hitman. <laughs> no, 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 Hitman was bad. That's terrible. <laughs> but see, no, look, I, yeah, look, mediocre is, I would have said average. It's, it's well, that's mediocre. I mean, that's yeah, the, exactly. If you're looking at, exactly. if you're looking at, if you're looking at a it's, film that, where you can't actually say, yeah, it's good or it's bad, you're just kind of going, it exists. You know, you know? It's, it's not a standout, but if you were walking past the TV and it was on, sure. With yeah. the amount of talent involved, especially behind the scenes, yeah. I would have expected a better film. Yeah. That's all I'm, all I'm really saying. Is I, It was a film that I wasn't really that keen <laughs> on, and I look at it now and I go, yeah, I could yeah. have spent my cinema dollars on something else. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. I, look, I, I'm... I'm not disappointed in the end. What but, but I want to know is... But the important thing, yes, I took my son to see it because he was really excited about it and he loved it. He thought it was fantastic. Like it, the, the, the visuals were were wonderful, as you said, yeah. and uh, and he was hypnotized by them. I asked him afterwards, you know, what, what bits did you think were really good? What did you really like? And all the things that he brought up with the special effects. Yeah, of course. You know, um, so it was kind of what was expected there. The comedy, you know, he laughed at. He certainly, you know, he saw the silly side of it, which, you know, well, it was. It was silly comedy. Mm. Um, and it, it worked for the target audience, eight-year-old, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. And that's the thing we should stress is that Pixels is a kid's film. Above all else, it yeah. is a kid's film. It's I think, I think it's a kid's, kid's film. film. I think it's a, a light family I think, film. You but know? I think, the problem I, I think have, it's a kid's film by proxy. No, no. <laughs> really? I think it was like, made No, I think it was made to be like a kid's film. Like, here are all these characters you remember when you were a kid from the 80s that you used to play that are unlike any games kids today play. Oh no, kids today have played kids. kids today have played a lot of those games because they are Because it was to me it was weird. Adam Sandler's whole character in that movie is like, I don't play modern day video games. They suck. Yeah. <laughs> whilst whilst pen whilst selling a PlayStation 4 on screen. That's yeah. You know, so it's like <laughs> I'm I'm with him. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> It's like it seems to me it's a movie made for people who used to be good at games, I guess. And that was actually one of the things I was going to say is the fact that like, yes, it is a kids film and it was made to be a kids film. However, going back to your question, which we'll talk about, divorce. Well, I was going to say which we will talk about. Well, but remember ET? She was a divorced. Yeah, I guess. Parent, you know? But ET is not a kids movie though. ET is a movie for everybody. No, ET was the made galaxy. as a kids film that appealed to everyone. And yeah, that's, but that's bullshit. 
And so that was, no, 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 no. And that's that's one of the things that we've talked about on the show before, which is one of the things that I love about a kids' film or a yeah. family film that doesn't pander to children. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. The that is, that's that, the and that's a very, very yeah. rare and thing. They, and they don't they don't pander by just trying to make a really good movie. No, they treat the children like they're they, they, don't, they're they don't, It's not even even in the equation. Guardians of the Galaxy starts with his mother's death of cancer. Yeah, you know, because because like <laughs> the, the intention is to make a good movie that everybody will enjoy. Yeah, that's right. Not exactly. not not like let's just put Pac Man in there because kids will love that. But thing. that's what I was going to come back to is that this is a kids film that is not targeted at today's kids I think it look yeah. it also you know, hits, and that's the problem <laughs> it also hits the standard Sandler notes mm. of you know here's a bit of happy ending romance yeah. um, no there's yeah. not a lot of chemistry between them but yeah. it still follows that pattern and they managed to make happily. a film with Michelle Monaghan who I adore Michelle Monaghan I think she is gorgeous she is funny she's got a lot of character and mm. they managed to make a film where I actually couldn't care less about her you know, yeah. <laughs> she was she was the prize for Adam Sandler, and then what, what Josh Gad has a. They all have prizes, and all the prizes they win are trophies. Because in a video game, you win a trophy. Yeah, yeah. and in these, they're they are literally trophy wives. Yeah, literally, <laughs> Josh Gad's character is rewarded with a with a woman character that looks hot that don't speak. Yeah, yeah, that never speaks, and the aliens are like, "You won." Have her. <laughs> you know, it's like, what message is this? I, look, but for I, a video game movie, they encourage cheating. Yeah. Uh, they, well, they, no, they, they, never, they penalize they, cheating. No, he, he gets rewarded entirely. He gets rewarded well, with yeah, not okay, only one of, woman, but story. two women. By the end of the story. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Martha Stewart, and that was a funny joke, kind of. It was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but like, uh, they didn't even have a video game controller. That could have been a part of the game. The, the and movie. I still, and I still ask this: there were all, no references to video games beyond like. No, you and I still, and I still say like. this: all films. And they got sorry. The, the mechanics of Donkey Kong were completely wrong. I want to sit down <laughs> yeah, one day with like, you and watch the Last Starfighter just to hear you rage uh, about that. <laughs> I, I love the Last Starfighter because the Starfighter. The, the last same Starfighter, thing. No, it's not. It's because the Last Starfighter is well done. That's the difference. Yeah. Last the Starfighter, last Starfighter well has written. awe in it, you know, and yeah. like you know they care for it. Whereas yeah. in this, it could have been awe inspiring, or it could have just matched the games. And, here's, they a, were. and here's a problem I had, which is, I think all films. All films have to be grounded in reality. Now, before you go, but oh, you're a fantasy. We're talking about the reality of the film. So sure. when, a, when a film creates its world, they have a reality to that world. And yeah. they have to f- adhere to the rules that they have set down in place. Has okay? to make the audience suspend their disbelief, of course. Exactly. So here we have a film where he has a cheat code to Pac-Man. Which didn't have Which a allows code. him to defy the laws of, of physics. physics. And how did he enter the cheat code? I, see, it's barely I even think, worth talking. I think if you're sitting there worrying like, yeah. about that, you've missed. But there was nothing missed the else. Aim of pixels. There was nothing else to worry about in the movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, um, and there's no other. Yeah. They, well, yeah. There's that just can't come. But the problem is, it shows you that there is nothing to latch yeah. onto in this film. That you're sitting there thinking yeah. about this stuff. You know, you're yeah. going, "Well, yeah, okay." There's a giant Pac-Man. It's like it's, it's, <laughs> it's the kind of movie that's just insulting, though, because like Adam Sandler goes and schools all of the military. <laughs> like, like what? And I'm sorry. Like, this could have been funny. And, spo- like, and spoilers, people. But I don't want any of you to go pay your money, so I'm not going to worry about it. But Sean Bean didn't die. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Bean was in it for five seconds. He still should have died. <laughs> Brian Cox. Wow. He used to be an actor. Like, <laughs> like, far out. Like, they all needed money. I like, love how much you hate this film. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't as much as well. That. I guess. I, I guess I went through a year of avoiding this trailer because I had high hopes. You know, like, See, and um, there you go. Yeah. 
Bad. There you go. Yep. There, was... there is my there is my my argument for you to watch trailers again because uh, if nah, you had seen sorry. this trailer, sorry. you would not have seen this film. If I'd seen oh. this trailer, I would have had every plot beat explained to me, like yeah, but, we just watched. And you the, wouldn't and you wouldn't have needed to go cli- see it. And I wouldn't have had to. Yeah, it's true. I would have saved. <laughs> uh, no, I used the hoist rewards on this. <laughs> you so, still would have saved an true. hour and a half of your life, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, I'll go see it. That three I'll minutes would have really. saved your hour and a half of your life. I use my Cinebuzz points to see Hitman. Technically, <laughs> American Ultra and Southpaw, though the points I got from those helped me pay for pixels. Uh-huh. Look, I, I had to pay full freight for pixels. Thank you very much. I agree. That- <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and parking at the AQ. <laughs> <laughs> we had a fun time watching that movie, though. That's we like did. a second like, ticket on its own. <laughs> we were the only people. In yeah. the cinema for the Pixels. Three of, the three of us who went to see Pixels, there was no one else in the oh, cinema. Oh, that's cool. That's always yeah. good when that happens. So we're just able to talk We talked loud. all the way through yeah. it. We Mocked joked it. about it, laughed at it. And Look. then it just became sad and depressing. It's just every time Peter Dinklage was on screen, we're all like, oh, God. See, I don't I don't have any- You got to enjoy it with someone I don't, who I don't watch, enjoying it. I don't well. watch Gamey Throny, so I don't have any oh, particular- You don't watch Gamey Throny? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have any preconceived I believe motions. it's technically called the Thong of Wrath and Fire. <laughs> I don't have any preconceived motions about- Peter Dinklage and I you just think he's I a terrible he, actor. No, no, so, no I thought he was, <laughs> he was fine. I don't know what the problem was. Yeah. Like he was playing a creep. He was a creep. He was good. <laughs> I, I think you have a valid point about the film's overall messages about you know about women being trophies. Mm. But yeah, look, it was. Oh, I don't even think we need to go there. There's no, so much more wrong with yeah, this. Yeah, film. it's not. It's because uh, that's what makes it so wrong is that it's it's not even. It a, was inoffensive. A, a, it was light and it. Entertained but it was just. It was just. Adam Sandler's views. And it, like, it, it wasn't like orchestrated to make a point. It was just natural. Like, of course. It was, you know, in, like, it was inoffensive. <laughs> it was light. And it entertained my eight-year-old yeah, son. Yeah. And, and that's good enough yeah. for me. And I think on that note, yeah. we'll leave that review. And say, <laughs> I think I'm going to answer this by saying, Dave, would you recommend this to friends? No. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I don't even have it. I would, I would recommend the shit out of Jack and Jill. If you're, if you, seriously, get together with a bunch of mates and watch it. It's like the room that, you know, like. You know what? I'm going to recommend. so entertaining. I'm going to recommend Pixels on streaming or DVD or TV yeah. or whatever you see it on that it yeah. happens to come on. Probably don't go out and chase it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't avoid the trailer. But it is. But it is. It's okay. Yeah, watch yeah. the trailer. It will make up your mind uh, whether oh, you want to see nice. this or not. I have a. I, I have guess a, I'm heartbroken in a way because I I think Adam Sandler is really capable of make, still making a funny movie. I think and this like, is really. I think I, I think this was a really good vehicle for him, and it was just ego and bullshit going the way. I think this is really interesting and a discussion for another day. But the fact that you had high hopes is really interesting to me because I don't go into any cinema anymore with hopes. I'm I'm serious I literally have no expectation from film anymore I'm going to say do I recommend this to my friends no there you go (laughs) (laughs) and I I would love to talk one day about that because I think I think that's really interesting yeah I do agree because I'm starting to get to that point now where I'll this is how crazy I am about about The Force Awakens I'm like I should just save this money put it in an envelope because I'm going to see that movie so many times (laughs) that I, uh, you know what I'm starting to get worried about with Force Awakens now? You're going to hate it? No, is that I'm not going to have enough money to see it as much as I want to see it. Wow. Like, in all seriousness, like, like I'm starting to think, how can I afford to see it every day? Like, you know. Well, I got my 3D glasses on. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let's go see Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, he really does. You he know? really put them on. Yeah. <laughs> that Jungle Book trailer, I thought it looked really cool. I'm excited about the film, yeah. but there is a part of me inside that's just going, don't get your hopes up yeah. because you know it might not be all that yeah. great. And I'm like that with The Force Awakens too. 
You know, like there's this part of me inside. Oh, I can't help yeah. it with Force Awakens. There's this yeah. part of me inside yeah, that's just going, yeah. you know. To me, it's all part of it. I, I did I did Force Friday, Midnight Madness. Look, oh, I'm loving it. BB-8 yeah. and I are going to go see yeah. it together. <laughs> oh, yeah. We Don't should. get me wrong. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving the yeah. hype. I have a Death Star Beach Ball. I'm I might loving, bring it. I'm loving <laughs> Star Wars being everywhere. It's great. But I'm I'm not sold till I see it. Yeah. But then after you see it, you'll be like super sold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 But see, Dave and I are <laughs> fanboys. Yeah. We're fanboys. Because we're going to go see what at the end of the year? Star Wars. The Force <laughs> Awakens. <laughs> How many days is it, Dave? Oh, it's 89. 89 days. 89 days to go. Oh, next week we're starting a new segment, guys, which is called... 12 weeks to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to get some music for it. We're going to do all the fun stats that everyone's been enjoying on <laughs> what, Facebook. What, what yeah. I love, <laughs> you're going to be like, we're, we're getting music, we're getting introduction. It's a whole new segment. The segment consists of 12. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got some, some yeah, The segment will be every week, yeah. Dave will just go, 12 weeks to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then the next week, 12, 11, week, 11, 11 weeks to go. Yeah. <laughs> and the next week, 12, 11, no, I'm gonna, 10. I, no, I've got a plan. I'm going to do like an advent calendar kind of thing where we're going to talk about one cool thing about Force How many action figures do you have now? <laughs> no, no, I've I'm a serious yeah, question. Serious. I, I can't even count them. I've got all of the Hasbro um, yeah, no, no, 3.7 inches. If you want an advent, counter, advent calendar type event, you should open one every week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Leading up yeah, to Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> On air so we can hear yeah. the packaging being ripped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I should say I was able to get all of them, but... But the black figures, I got the black figures online. Racist. Um, oh, I should tell the. We got a, we got a couple of minutes. I should tell the story no, of them. We don't. The, yeah, well, well, I'm the one that doesn't. I've got to go to work. No, um, but I really don't. Shit, it's four o'clock. You know, um, <laughs> we're we're working two hours. Yeah. No, okay. Anyway, I'll tell the story next week. The Midnight Madness. Yeah, tell us the story next week. Actually, next week what we're going to do is, along with bringing back that uh, the, the Star Trek section and uh, and the next show, we remember there's no show this Saturday, but the following week, the Comic-Con weekend we're recording, um, we are going to be hopefully reviewing The Martian. I think it is. Mm-hmm. But you know what this show is like. It Will could, he get home, Dave? Will he get home? <laughs> it, it could change before then. We don't know. It's true. But uh, we are thinking about doing The Martian if we can, if we can get our acts together. Um, but I think what we should also do is we should talk a little bit about some of the merch we've bought and and some of the Star Wars things that we've experienced. Like yeah. I just recently got Star Wars Monopoly. You've just told like me the, today the X Wing corset yeah. is out. You just told me the X Wing corset is out. I want to go down and buy that. I may actually go down and buy that tonight because yeah. I'm incorrigible. Yeah. Well, let's let's do that ne- next episode. We'll do um twelve weeks too. Our twelfth week start yeah. the kickstart on that will, will be, be the the Force Friday toys. And, the and you can week bring of and Star you, Wars. My true love yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you can bring in some uh, show and tell, not all mm-hmm. of it, obviously, but you can bring in some show and tell, so maybe some of mm-hmm. the cream of the crop, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. I should week. say uh, that I'm only collecting the Hasbro action figures. So it's like- um, Do you know what I want? I want- There's a lot of merch out there, but for me, the- Big the, W the had the 12-inch Darth Vader and Boba Fett figures that have oh, just come out. Yeah, They're really See, nice. I know, there's so much cool stuff, but and I, I also really like those. I really like yeah. those three-foot tall stormtroopers. The, the the, they're called Jacks, I think they're called. That's the brand. They're not great action figures, they're just- like statues, yeah. really, but they look, they look awesome. awesome. Yeah, uh, they've got because it's, it's the armor that just goes so well with the molded plastics. Yeah, it's just like and they got Darth Vader so too. Yeah. He looks really good. Yeah. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and I want the lightsaber. Have you seen the new Lego 
Darth Vader and uh, and Obi Wan. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a the Boba actual Fett figures. Well. Yeah, yeah, that you can yeah. build. They're like barnacle size. Oh, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. They look nice. so good. I have to have a look at those too. All right, that's yeah. enough. We're geeked out enough for one day. If you agree or disagree with everything we have talked about, or anything that we have mm. talked about today, or you want to share your political views about Malcolm Turnbull becoming prime minister, or can you I just want quickly to talk- say something that? In, in, over the course of this episode, I recommended Dreamcatcher and Jack and Jill. I know, and I, and I said not go watch Pixels. Yeah, yeah. I know, and, <laughs> and watch watch the Facebook hate. It, it's all going to be directed yeah. at me. How dare you like Pixels? <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll all come see me at the Oz, at the um, at the comic thing, the comic conversation. <laughs> what throw the old, fuck? And throw old Sega cartridges. Oh, you know here. what? The- <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to, you know what though? They're going to be there going, oh, it's fascinating. You like Jack and Jill? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'll say. Don Cacino. Whoa! <laughs> the whole plot of Jack and Jill hinges on Al Pacino in a commercial. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Enough. So uh, we should also just remind you. Oh, also, just a reminder, the two people who won those pop finals, we're still waiting for you to get in touch with us. Um, did you put it up on the Facebook page they won? I did. Yeah. So go have a look at your Facebook page. If you don't get in touch with us by the next show, that's the two-week mark. And Well, it's actually about two and a half weeks. But if you don't get in touch with us after the next show, we have to pull the competition. So please let us know what's going on. We did give you two weeks. Uh, uh, the recipient of the, the recipient of the golden golden books was, was incredibly happy. Yes, he yes, posted it up on Facebook. He did. Uh, so yes, very good for him. Um, all right. So remember the reminder: your wanky academic question for next week. If you want to put in your responses to this, is who is the target audience for film? When we look at film, how does our difference from that audience affect our Perceptions. Uh, so, as an example, if we go see a kids' film, we're not perceiving it the way that it was targeted to. Like so, pixels. Like pixels. So, that's your question. If you've got some thoughts on that, please throw that out there. If you disagree or agree with us, you can send feedback at geekactually.com or on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash geekactually. Uh, Dave Longo, where can people find out more about you and your comic book? Uh, yeah, Facebook um, slash iGods. Yep. Uh, or you can just type in inadequate gods onto uh, the Facebook search engine. And um, I'd appreciate a like if you can. Like, uh, I I'm not gonna like bombard the feed every day with updates, so like I won't be annoying. But I'll, but please like it. Yep. Um, and I really do hope you you come see me at the October third Artist Alley if you can make it in Ashfield. Uh, you'll be able to see Jamie and Dave there as well. And um, yeah, otherwise Twitter at Dave Longo or just here Geek Actually. Fantastic, and Jamie. Jamie is on Facebook. Just search up uh, Good Games Hurstville, or you could find me on Twitter at GG Hurstville, or uh, I don't know. I've got a bunch of other social media accounts. <laughs> and apparently, those are the, those apparently are the ones that I check the most every day at the moment too. So, by the way, yeah, for you've the, been for killing the, it with the Facebook. For those awesome. who follows our, for those who follow the Geek Actually Facebook, just be aware that every time we post, it always come up comes up as Geek Actually. So you to know who is actually responding to, just look mm. for the initials at the end of the. Yeah, post. Yeah, I usually yeah. put a dash J, and I'll put a DM, and you can put a DL. So okay. yeah. that way you know who's actually responding to. You. Otherwise, it's just Geek Actually generic. It's one of the three of us, yeah. most, more than likely. Uh, um, that all being said, you find me on Twitter at David McVeigh. No, what is it? Twitter.com. Yeah, at David McVeigh. Mm-hmm. That's the one. At David McVeigh or at geekactually.com, the host of this. Uh, we also have other shows. Remember, we also do Nerd Corner, which will hopefully be coming soon. Podcast Pillow Fort and Behind the Panels seem to be in a little bit of a hiatus state. We're waiting for those to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, Podcast Pillow Fort hopefully will come back soon. Um, and that's it. I'm going to say to everybody out there, thanks for listening. Geek on. Enjoy your week. And next week, we should be doing The Martian. Um, and until then, we'll see you later. Ta-ta. Ciao.